everyone. Welcome to Rewind the Love, a podcast about the best era in reality television. Recapping shows like Charm School, Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, and all the great celeb reality shows that you love. I am Mike. And I'm Sonia. And get ready, everybody, because this one... <laughs> it might this... be the most depressing episode. I did not come into this franchise, this series, expecting to feel this bad all the time. And here we are. Super sad episode, yeah. I guess. Uh, just a lot of different issues that need to be addressed. It's finally the time where like real life hits. I know, and yet somehow it still gets glazed over for bullshit drama. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you can follow along with us by watching if you haven't watched the episode yet and don't have any fucking idea what we're talking about. You can watch it on Hulu and not on YouTube. For no, legal reasons, not. I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway. Copyright. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, tell friends yes, who don't five suck. five stars, please, five stars. Yeah, so on the bright side, if we're going to be talking about a weird, depressing episode of the show, we wanted to make it at least more upbeat, and we're so honored to have this lady joining us. Uh, super fan and friend of ours, friend of the show, Anissa's here. Hi, Anissa. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Oh my gosh, we're so honored that you decided to join us and that you that you offer that you wanted to be on the show, honestly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Oh, we're so excited. So uh yeah, so you picked this one. Uh it's got some really iconic moments, so I don't blame you, but how did you feel about the episode overall? Um, like you said, it was a really sad episode, but it was like it, it definitely had some pretty hard-hitting themes in it, and it's like kind of was like a little therapy se- session in, in the episode a little bit. So it it, it was a lot there. Yes, know, I'm definitely a lot to grasp onto. Yeah, I'm definitely glad we did get a small moment of clarity and insight. Definitely a a groundbreaking like mindset shifting moment for me. I remember as a teenager watching the show for sure. But yeah, so this is, I was going to say, we do, we could get into it, but we do have a little bit of news first, political news, oddly enough. Uh, Yeah, from the VH1CU. Chuck D says, Flavor Flav would rather dance for his money than get behind political rally. From hiphopdx.com, they apparently got this statement from Chuck D. I am not I mean, I'm not super tuned into music, so I don't know if this website is a prominent one, but I guess if you can get a statement from Chuck D, you must be a fairly big deal. Yeah. Public Enemy, Mastermind, Chuck D, uh, DJ Lord, Jahi, I don't I don't know Public Enemy at all, I'm sorry, uh, is performing at the Bernie Sanders rally in LA on Sunday. Well, we're recording this on Sunday, March 1st, sorry. Uh, but apparently Flavor Flav is not thrilled about it. Flav's team uh, blasted the notion and insisted the Flavor of Love reality star does not feel the burn. Chuck D has now responded, issuing a hefty ultimatum to his longtime bandmate. Uh, <laughs> and basically Chuck D holds n- no holds nothing back he has no qualms about letting us know exactly how the fuck he feels about Flav and uh, he says Flav chooses to dance for his money and not do benevolent work like this Uh, Chuck D goes on to say he has a year to get his act together and get himself straight or he's out of the group now initially and this article is structured 
a little bit confusing timeline wise, but it seems like prior to Public Enemy and Chuck D performing in this, that there had been various Public Enemy insignia usage and things and Chuck D aligning himself and Public Enemy with the Bernie Sanders campaign. And Flav then issued a cease and desist saying, don't use my image or the band's image that I'm a part of for this political cause that I don't agree with. And Chuck D's attorney is basically like, Chuck D is public enemy. Like, he exactly. owns public enemy. Uh, he can do whatever the hell he wants with it. He created the logo and is the group's primary songwriter, having written Flavor's most memorable lines. He owns the trademark. I mean, was That's that... Wait, thing. hold on. So... At, I like I said, I don't know a ton about Public Enemy beyond what I've seen on VH1 on occasion. Like, is that groundbreaking information that he wrote? Well, I mean, Flav's line because like we also don't know what he means by Flav's lines. Yeah, because majority of the song, at least when you look, yeah, I would say like especially the popular ones, majority of the time it's Flav just yelling as Chuck does all the rapping. Yeah. He is the hype man. He just right. he's just a backup that repeat. It's almost like, uh, who the hell is it? Why can't I think of their name right like, now? Like, uh, like Migos. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I know, I knew where it's you were going It's always just, that. yeah. It's like that's crazy. That's like that's crazy, right? You know, just yeah. in the background. That's all it is. <laughs> I just, I don't know, because like that's kind of vague for me. I don't know if like he's the reason he screams out like "Yeah, boy" and like. Well, that stuff play. might be Flav, but he's that's done what I'm like the, he's done like choruses and stuff well, like no, that. Well, no, I know, so, like, like fuck him and John Wayne. Like, I get. Yes, like that <laughs> is. I think that. I, I, I assume that, uh, that is Chuck, D. Chuck D is responsible yes. for that line. Yes. Uh, so going on, attorney Matthew H. Friedman of the Nevada law firm Ford and Friedman spoke on Flav's behalf in an open letter. Uh, we've become aware that Flavor's bandmate and public enemy co-creator Chuck D has endorsed Bernie Sanders' candidacy for president and plans to perform at an upcoming Sanders rally. While Chuck is certainly free to express his political views as he sees fit, his voice alone does not speak for Public Enemy. Granted, it seems like the rest of Public Enemy is performing at this yeah, event. They're all, so on the, it's like, they're all on the same page except Flake. He kind of does seem to speak for Public yes. Enemy for the most part. Let's see. This planned performance will only be... Uh, oh, no, I lied. This planned performance will only be of Chuck D of Public Enemy and will not be a performance by Public Enemy. Those who know what Public Enemy stands for knows what time it is, and there is no Public Enemy without Flavor Flav. Uh, the letter obtained by Billboard goes on to say that the Sanders movement is a fake revolution, but insisted Flav wants nothing but unity. Flav is reaching out in an open letter, uh, not in the spirit of division, but for the sake of unity in the hope of preserving the integrity of public and of the public enemy movement and the faith and trust of his millions of fans around the world have placed in him friedman added uh over more than 30 years in the public spotlight whether on television or radio flave has de delivered his authentic self that authenticity compels him to speak out and ensure voters are not misled that public enemies music does not become the soundtrack of a fake revolution Shots fired across the board here. Um, also, I love that he thinks that the integrity of public enemy movement is denigrated by an association with Bernie Sanders and not strange love and flavor of right. love and any other things. Like they, he dragged public enemy on television for strange love. Yeah, like we don't talk about that enough. Like 
he made those men all appear on this show on that disaster like i've never seen strange love but like you don't need to it's fine it's <laughs> i've heard yeah like I've, I've pretty much seen a lot of them and that's not one i care to go back and, and go dig up no <laughs> not at all just it's, it's just unsettling like the two of them together uh so apparently, because uh, we were talking about this a little bit off the air, that Flav had filed a lawsuit against Chuck and Bring the Noise and Eastlink in uh, 2017, a suit that was dismissed without prejudice last year. Uh, they said Chuck has been more than patient with Flav over the years. Public Enemy's latest record, uh, Nothing is Quick in the Desert, was also a point of contention as Flav's unwillingness to work was more of an issue than the actual lawsuit. Catch me as I fall over in shock. Uh, like why that like hot mess disaster like who refuses to acknowledge his health issues and addictions wasn't a super dedicated co-worker stunned uh he's also not a super dedicated father so he's not a a super dedicated father or spouse slash partner uh he's not a super dedicated right he's a super dedicated partier but that's about it. So uh, Flavor isn't 100% in the wrong, but he brings a lot of craziness and disorganization to the fucking table, and that causes a myriad of issues that cost time and money, Chuck said at the time. His inability to be focused, pay attention, and stay woke bleeds into other areas. Him and his manager parting ways to me was a bad move. I want to know more about this manager. I don't know why I never thought to consider what Flav's management had to do with the whole <laughs> flavor of love situation but we can look at that up another time uh he goes on to say that he's proud of Flav. he's a co-owner of the masters of these public enemy records that doesn't necessarily mean songwriting it takes effort and teamwork and he's got to be mentally on point to write public enemy songs he has to step it up i love this he just gives he does not give a fuck Mm -mm. (laughs) well he's speaking in a way that you can tell is clearly it sounds like he cares about him and he's just fed up with his bullshit. Yeah. Like, this sounds like a very public intervention. He sounds like a parent that is disappointed in their child and trying to scold them into getting their shit together. Right. Exactly. Uh, while speaking to DX earlier this week, Chuck note- noted that Public Enemy radio performance wasn't really an endorsement, more of a call to action. This is the spring of 2020, a year of hindsight and clear vision. It's no longer tolerable to just pontificate and not do shit. The Bernie rally is not so much of an endorsement as much as it is common sense. People got to realize whoever they vote for isn't going to be Jesus. They need to recognize we have a wannabe Hitler in the White House. Regardless of how you feel about Bernie, you know, a, a majority of us and most likely if you're listening, you cannot disagree with that part. He goes, if there's anything that really resonates with me, it's that I hate the two-party system. We're all affected by healthcare, childcare, and climate change. What the fuck is going to take care of that? So, Chuck D. Not here to play games. You love to see it. Yeah. Indeed. So hopefully Flav, I want to say hopefully Flav gets his act together, but. Probably not. I'm not optimistic. I mean. (laughs) Can't be too optimistic about that. Anywho, uh, yeah, I guess it's time to probably get the episode started. So we're on Mike. season one, episode six called Give and Take. And I, I don't even need to say it this time. It always starts with the girls in the morning. 
Uh, but this time it goes immediately to Monique making an announcement. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, this was weird. We got a talking head from Dara, though, saying about Courtney being eliminated because she doesn't need to change while Larissa, who should have been eliminated, techni- who's like a nightmare in the house, is still here because she's a nightmare in the house and needs to change. Uh, Monique calls over the loudspeaker that it's time for the seventh lesson and they need to meet in the grand hall. So Monique and Mickey are downstairs and Monique tells them it's time for lesson seven. Thou shalt pay it back. Brooke, for some reason, in a talking head, says that she's concerned that they're going to be picking up trash on the side of the road with prisoners. I don't know why that that's immediately where her brain went. Yeah, no idea. So Monique says to the ladies and they make this whole show of like putting this like black church organ music behind her and she's like you know i thought uh i've been very fortunate to have the means to give back but it's not always about money it's you know it's about i don't know being able to give back i don't know what the fuck i'm saying anymore uh not a good sign for how this episode is going and oh no because i got i got sidetracked because i forgot that i wrote down that like while monique is saying these very reasonable normal things about like if you have the means to do so, give back. Laylene is furiously taking notes. And I'm like, what are you taking notes on? Like, what are you, what is she saying that is groundbreaking information to you? She's just showing that she takes it serious. I know, but like, sometimes you don't need to take it that seriously. So Monique tells them that she's, that they're going to be giving the clothes off of their backs to a local charity thrift store. So Safari immediately is showing some signs of anxiety about this. And she's like, well, I know I don't have a lot, but, you know, and I know that the stuff that I do have, like, doesn't cost a lot. And it's all downhill from there, basically. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Monique tells them that they each uh, should pick a partner and the teams go upstairs and sort through their clothes and shoes and purses and anything they want to donate and Basically, they're going to be thrifting that and they're going to and all of that's going to add up to a certain monetary value and whatever the highest monetary value is will be that that team will be safe from being expelled. It is worth noting also um, that they're donating to a place called Out of the Closet, which they don't really go into details about it on the show, but. In the description of the show, in I think I don't know if they say it on Hulu, but I know that when you go to like the Wikipedia breakdown of every episode, they talk about it. It's an AIDS benefit. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Store, which I think I like they did mention that at some point. I was watching it with my sister, and she told me that I missed it, but she got it. So I kind of wonder if I was like a little surprised they glossed over it because at this point, like you know. This was sort of that the start like of, yeah, like that would right? Like, especially because it's called Out of the Closet, like a little bit more context. And the thing is, like, if you're thinking about a regular thrift store, you're not necessarily thinking of it as a place that you're necessarily helping people in need. Yeah, exactly. Because people these days, like we go thrifting, we go to find like, oh, I found 
XYZ designer item at the Goodwill for like $10. Like we don't think of it as the fact that it's actually going towards a charity that's going to help literally save lives. Right. Especially because a lot of people with Goodwill in particular, they don't realize because they think the name is Goodwill, but it's not necessarily helping anybody. Like it's like an, exactly, it's not, it's not really an organization. Right. And also I just am on the out of the closet website right now. They offer free HIV testing in this, in their stores. And they also, uh, offer pharmacy prescriptions uh free fast home delivery ahf pharmacy i don't know if this is a brand like an actual brand or if they do anything specific but either way um yeah they offer really awesome community services and i think a certain percentage i think how much did they say 96 cents of every dollar collected by our stores directly funds AIDS, healthcare foundations, HIV, AIDS programs, and services in the U.S. and abroad. Hmm. Oh, All wow. of this is fucking awesome. Like, It is surprising they didn't say any of this during the episode. Part like, of me thinks detail. that it's like a weird, because this is still Bush era, like, Defense of Marriage Act is still on and popping, you know, this is a time where as much as their gay people are entertainment on TV, because we just came out of a season where Chamo was doing whatever the fuck kind of character mm-hmm. caricature he was doing that, you know, like, I guess being gay is still a punchline. Yeah. And not, yeah. it, you know, the stigma was really crazy back then. It's not what it is now, how people are really trying to lift the stigma of HIV and AIDS like they are today. It was really it, it was really bad back then. Exactly. And it doesn't, I mean, it, this doesn't even really feel like that long ago, you know? Like, it was... It really doesn't. It wasn't even 15 full years ago. And it, oh, how God. much has changed since then? Obviously, we still have a long way to go, not to make it like, yes. everything's fine now. But, you know, literally the difference between the the Bush era and the Obama era is so much more palpable than, I guess, yeah. with time that we realized at the time all of this was happening. Yeah, for sure. So Shay is bragging about how her stuff is so much more expensive than anybody else's in the house. So obviously she's going to win. So Monique tells them that in addition to the team with the highest earnings being safe from elimination, the a team another team that's up for eliminate all the ugh, the other teams that are up for elimination, one team is going to go home as a team. Like, the two of them are going to go home. I can say words. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> so, Monique says that the point of this is to help them pick smarter when they're choosing teammates instead of just choosing their friends. They have one hour to fill from, from a stack of duffel bags that's off to the side. And leaves them with some advice whatever i've given whatever she feels she's given she's gotten back 10 times over which is a very good lesson multi in different ways during the course of this episode whatever you've given you will get back karma wise so shatar of course is like Now, I spend most of my money on couture, which is, like, my favorite thing to wear. It just feels really good. And I laughed because, you know, back to episode three, where we talked about the couture, by definition, is, Mm -hmm. you know, custom-made clothing and special made for the person that's wearing it. Mm -hmm. 
the idea that she's like, it feels really good. I have in my notes, ma'am, are you specifically referring to a juicy couture sweatsuit? I want to know, okay, Shakara's stuff, first of all, looks like it came from Dead Plus. Number that's, one. Yes, absolutely. Shout out to Dead Plus. I still have some of their stuff in my closet, though. Don't of course. sleep on them. Secondly, if we were playing a drinking game with the word couture, we will all be shit-faced by this point in the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Already. And it just, it, it's all downhill from here in terms of how funny it gets with her. And mm-hmm. this couture idea, because as much as we, as much as nobody at home really believed it, and even that she was wearing brand names in general. Yeah. I mean, I used to kind of think that because I, she was so committed to it, but the more I'm really paying attention to her outfits that she's, because she's drawing attention to them, I'm like, no, this was all, this is all. She's just all talk. From Rainbow. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And there's nothing wrong with Rainbow, but like living No. Right, but exactly. There's nothing wrong with it, but if you're trying to pass it off for something, for not just something else, but like designer level, couture level labels, like how dumb do you think we all are? And as Danielle pointed out a couple episodes ago, like this was a very label conscious time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, where it doesn't matter how ugly something was, it was more important that it had yeah. a designer name as associated with it. As much as I'm it. not into fashion so much, I knew that at the time. I mean, wasn't this also when like Ed Hardy kind of existed? Oh yeah, that was like, Becky's. Oh, that, and now he's gone. <laughs> that was Becky's. Actually, I think Christian Adige died, but who? Christian Adige, the guy really? behind Ed Hardy. Oh, I'm pretty sure he's is that dead. Why yeah. It went away? Because well, no, it went away because it no, was tacky. It went away before that. <laughs> it was, yeah, because because he was the reason why I kind of kept up with him is because he was really good friends with two of the messiest people from the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, Michael Lohan and John Goslin. Uh, hot mess express like the three of them. Could you imagine the three of them together? Literally, just a walking petri dish. Uh, I like that. So let's talk a little bit before we get into them packing up their stuff about how fucked up it is that they are asking them to get rid of the handful of clothing that they brought with them. Yes. Man, listen. Because first of all, how long was this in recording? Because they didn't even bring a lot of stuff with them. What the hell are they supposed to wear for the rest of the time they're here? That's what, uh, yes. So there's there's levels to how fucked up this is, right? Because the thing is, they're only there, we think, for like two weeks. Maybe three, the most a month. I can't imagine that if you were trying to pack smart, and a lot of these girls are probably flying from other parts of the country, you don't bring Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff with you and you economize and there's a chance you're going to get kicked out so you're not bringing a ton of stuff with you. We've seen Becky wear that black and white striped tank top like three different times and we're on episode six. Like, That is true. Like, obviously a lot of these girls did not come with a lot of stuff. Except Laylene. It, well, Laylene's stuff doesn't take up a lot of space. But but, has- I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big difference when, when what you're bringing doesn't need to take up a lot of space, right? Then, and now listen, I don't want to try to assume anybody's socioeconomic standing. I don't want to assume that just because anybody is a certain race or anything like that, that they don't have money. But to me... If you're willing to get on television and make out with Flavor Flav to build your career, 
I'm going to assume that you don't have a lot of money. Yep. That you are not coming from a lot of money, Mm -hmm. that you're not used to having a lot of money, that you are willing to do anything to build a career for yourself working with what you have. To me, asking a group of seemingly very desperate low socioeconomic women. Yes. I feel like I totally fucked up the way that sounds and I'm sorry. No, but like fine. like why are you giving me the okay? Shut up. <laughs> like no, I feel you. We got you. Like exactly. picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want to make sure that like I'm phrasing this delicately enough. Like I think that asking poor women to take the limited clothing items that they brought with them because you're not asking them to pull from home but like you're asking to the handful of stuff that you already brought with you mm-hmm. donate what you have and i get that the point of this was supposed to be as mickey brings up later don't let your possessions possess you um i get that, that you don't have the- a lot of possessions it's hard not to do that yeah and i think oh, the the layers to this are just so frustrating to me. It's just, it's fucked up to ask people. Because the thing is, if this was a show about, like, privileged, spoiled little brats and making them do this, I think there used to be yeah. a show like that. Oh, my God, there was a show like that on MTV where it was after My Super Sweet 16 had gotten very big and very extravagant that they took some of the most notorious girls from that show mm-hmm. and brought mm-hmm. them to, like, Bumblefuck. Oh, I was waiting for Scared Straight. No, I mean, that would have been great, too. But um, That would have been awesome. <laughs> right. I swear to God, like, they put them in, like, a remote Alaskan fishing village. Jeez. And stuff. Yes. They, like, checked these girls so fucking hard. It was like a... And then I could swear there was another show like that that was kind of like a, my kid is terrible, so we're going to put them in a situation where they have to really, like, appreciate what yeah, they but- have. Yeah. If it was a show like that and they had done this kind of challenge, I'd be like, perfect. Makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. This was, as much as we've addressed on this show that it's clear that they're trying to embarrass these women, this was a new level of fucked up to me. Mm -hmm. I just, I I hated this so much. Um, I did too. (laughs) And I didn't see see it for what it was back in the year this came out. Because I was, like, a teenager at the time. But it's just, like, looking back on it as an adult, I'm like, yo, this is not cool. And then some of them are young. When we're young, most of us are broke. Like, some of them have children. Like, like Laylene, for example, she has three kids. I'm a single mom. I only got one kid. I don't buy shit for myself. So I probably wouldn't have had nothing to give away. Right. Like, I... And they're bringing the stuff that they wear, so it's they're bringing even their if they best get home, stuff. Exactly. Stuff, yeah. and exactly. Is, if you want to give, uh, if you want to drive the lesson home of giving back, I think that that is very important, and I think that's very on brand with what the show is trying yeah. to establish. But there are countless number of ways you could have done mm-hmm. that. I think without... this could have better been served by giving back, like as far as service is concerned, rather than literally giving your stuff away. Yeah. Yeah. And there they even could have found another way to get some of that like don't let your possessions possess you type of thing. They could have sent them on a shopping spree and been like, surprise, all this stuff you bought you now have to give away. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's kind of yeah. Like I'm still under the conspiracy they're gonna get all their stuff back. Minus I, the I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. 
Well, well, well don't spoil it. Like, let's oh, just. Whatever. So, anyway, so they're all starting to pack, and well, they're all kind of forming teams first. And Becky turns to Safari and she's like, "Oh, do you want to be my partner? Because nobody else wants to be my partner." Because as we see, Becky's stuff is really tacky, like trendy but tacky. Like, and that only makes sense if you were alive and paying attention to fashion in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. so larissa then turns to like is like wait who's my partner and shay's like me dummy <laughs> so the teams are becky and safari larissa and shay obviously Laylene and brooke and shatar and dara so Laylene and brooke we see them packing up their stuff first and Laylene, i don't i wasn't a huge fan of her in this episode because she did a lot of things that was kind of like well, she's like, I don't know, she's like making jokes about this. Like, oh, do you think they'll wear stripper clothes? <laughs> Sorry, like, I have to find the humor in this situation. And part of me thinks that, like, when she's uncomfortable about certain things, she makes these really weird... Self-deprecating jokes. It's not really self... This didn't feel self-deprecating to me. This was, uh, like, a weird, like... I don't know. Maybe I'm reading into it too much. Maybe. I don't know. She makes this... She says something else later that kind of irked me, too. But she said? Uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, so Brooke says that she picked Laylene as a partner because she brought three suitcases full of stuff, so statistically she'd be bound to have a bunch of stuff. But then, like, we see Brooke taking stuff out of Laylene's bags, and it's all, like, strings and pieces, and she's like, her stuff should come with an instruction manual. (laughs) (laughs) And I know, like, from that time... Yeah, that's... (laughs) So Shatar and Dara uh, are up next. And Dara, now this point made a lot of sense to me too, that Dara is like, like shit, like my mom's going to whoop my ass when I get home because I'm giving all this stuff away. And normally I'd be like, really? But Dara's got like, all she dresses in are like three piece suits and shit. Like Mm -hmm. dressy ass clothes and like work stuff. Like if you're giving away yeah. stuff that you're actively wearing to your job, I would assume in the yeah. rest of your life, that shit's expensive to replace. This isn't exactly. like loungewear, clubwear. Like this is shit that anybody hates buying for the most part unless you're making a bajillion yeah. dollars. Yeah, Dara definitely had like JC Penney's finest call center attire and yes. <laughs> I know because that's me all day. Like Yes, exactly. <laughs> like that's I mean, I don't currently work at a place where I needed to get more dressed up and I kind of haven't had to in a while. Like even when I was working office jobs, I was more casual kinds of places and jeans. But of the stuff I needed to buy, it is like ponty pans from Amazon and Macy's mm-hmm. and whatever, you know? Like and that shit's not it's cheap. Not cheap. So Dara says in a talking head that she wanted Shatar to be her partner uh, and Shatar wanted to be her partner. And she's like, okay, I figure if she's got all this couture stuff, then if, if Shatar has all this couture stuff, then I don't really need to give as much away. Yeah. So then actually Shatar was pretty impressed by her was like, just think of all the people that were helping. <laughs> like how many people you would be helping if your stuff wasn't garbage. Uh, mm-hmm. So up next, we see a clip of Larissa and Shay, and I was dying because they're reciting all the names of these brands that I I Googled to, like, make sure they weren't still trendy. And basically, all the articles for True Religion and Seven Jeans, like, I literally Googled, are Seven Jeans still popular? Literally, the the articles that come up is, Seven Jeans makes a comeback, trying to make a comeback. True Religion, Mm -hmm. trying to make a comeback. And I'm like, yikes. (laughs) 
these are all and from 2018, what the hell are citizens of humanity i it sounded vaguely familiar but like i feel like this was all stuff that because i was a teenager that i just and i knew was like way more out of my price range and also as much as it was trendy it was ugly like i know i've said that yeah, several times already all of this stuff was so gross like it, it was, was bad Yes, gaudy was like the style, and we haven't really gotten even into that era of like fully Ed Hardy, fully bedazzled jean mm -hmm. pockets and big ugly crosses, bedazzled crosses all over and things, and logos just, on everything. Oh, just, just oh, right, a disaster, just hideous and loud. Got me that shit when I was younger because I look yes. at that old picture sometimes, and I'm like, girl, why? Yeah, I'm glad the extent of my, like, trendiness was, you know, some more of those, like, polo brand polos and actual Ugg boots. And actually, I never owned a Juicy Couture brand sweatsuit. But that was because my mom didn't want Juicy across my I was body. just going to say, yeah. Yeah. Is it because of the butt stuff? Yeah. Well, that's sounds Because weird. of the butt stuff. The butt, the butt, <laughs> butt writing. Oh, my gosh. But I'm, I'm Sorry, laughing because... a lot better. Because I... As Shay is saying out loud, oh, yeah, seven jeans and true religion. And I was like, started singing my humps like to myself. And then because, you know, like the, there's a line like seven jeans, oh, true yeah. religion. Yes. I say no. But then I realized as I'm singing it, the, the music, the score that they have playing in the background sounds like they tried to make my humps a knockoff and like changed a couple of the notes so it didn't sound like my humps but i swear to god if you go back and watch it the it sounds like they're trying to accomplish a my humps sound oh well i don't know I, maybe i'm just i don't know and i swear I'm to god to that's go what i heard see now <laughs> <laughs> so shay's like oh so i i watch what people wear because you know i'm really into fashion like that and Brooke is cheap. Laylene is for sure cheap. Dar is cheap as hell. And then she pulls out a BB top that she's so proud of. And she's like, this has to be worth something. <clears throat> then we see uh, Becky and Safari. And Becky is like trying to zip up two duffel bags worth of stuff. I believe just herself. Mm -hmm. And Safari notices that. And she's like, oh, like, it seems like you're giving a lot of stuff away. And, you know. Becky's like, yeah, you know, I want to give a lot of stuff away because I'm, I really don't want to, I'm not going home. Yeah. Which I think then added a little bit more pressure to Safari for already what we find out later is like a very sensitive, triggering subject for her. I think that added pressure of being like, well, if I fuck up by not contributing enough and we end up being the lowest it's team, fault. it's my yeah. fault. So Safari, yeah, Safari looks down and is like, you know, this is all all the clothes i got left and she says in a talking head i'm giving away basically everything i have and she's like i know i won't be able to give as much as other people and you know i figured i'll just take it all down there and whatever i can give i can give so becky actually is being generally pretty supportive of her and she's like whether or not they win the fact that she's willing to give the fact that Safari is willing to give so much really speaks volumes. And I'm sure she mm -hmm. thinks that they'll probably be rewarded for it. So then Mickey starts to come around to a bunch of the teams and she goes in as Laylene and Brooke are packing and Laylene's like, you know, oh, I'm trying to give a lot of stuff away. Uh, in particular, I would have given some jewelry, but I haven't really been able to find it. 
which I thought was going to be a bigger. I don't know if maybe they kept that in on purpose as a plot point. She does ultimately mm. find it, but it is unintentionally a little bit foreshadowing of what happens later. Yeah. So she says in particular, one of the things she wants to give away is her mom's rings. So she tells us in a talking head that my mom passed away and this ring was a keepsake, uh, but her life is gone. And if it'll help somebody else, you know, I'm happy to do it, which is like, whoa, that's. Yeah, no. Yeah. So she finally finds the ring in her suitcase and Brooke is like, I cannot let you do this. Like, I cannot in good conscience let you give away this ring. Yeah. And Laylene's like really insisting, you know, it's my decision. Like, please respect my decision. And Brooke is like, I I do respect your decision, but, you know, this isn't something that can be replaced. So I'm very impressed by Brooke during the course of this episode. Like, as much as she gets this rep for being this, like, way too competitive, self-serving, you know tv fame hungry monster it's nice to see a little bit of warmth and compassion from her being like you know Laylene can replace any of her clothes but this thing from her mom like her mom's dead like yeah, she can't her yeah so then mickey then moves to uh visiting becky and safari and she's like, oh, wow, Becky, it's really great that you filled two bags. And she's like, oh, you know, thanks. And then she goes to Safari, like, because Safari is very visibly kind of like, you can see her posture Shook has it. changed. Yeah. Her posture mm-hmm. has changed. She's a little bit quieter. She's got her hat pulled down a little bit. And like, she's like, oh, you know, how are you feeling about this challenge? And Safari's like, if it wasn't for Becky, you know, I wouldn't have enough stuff to put in the duffel bags like i don't have a lot of stock and she tries to start explaining herself a little bit more but then immediately starts like crying and mickey's like listen it's not about the quality of what you're giving it's about like the quality of your heart and it seems like you're really giving with like true commitment and you know which is interesting. It's an interesting different side of Safari than we've seen so far. She's been in general pretty driven and competitive and like mostly concerned about winning. But this to me, at least, was a softer side of her, even beyond the obvious, you know, trauma of it all. But that she really wants to give. She didn't say anything really about winning too much in any of her interviews. But she seems to be really concerned about just trying to give and be a good teammate. Exactly. Be a good yeah. person. Becky says uh, that she's giving. It's clear that the stuff that she, Safari is giving away is more valuable to her than any money amount. And she's like, listen, just because I'm giving away a lot of stuff, like to try to make Safari feel, feel better, like just because I'm giving away a lot of stuff doesn't mean it's all valuable. Like most of this shit costs me $5. And like, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you, Becky. (laughs) And uh, Becky says in a talking head, Safari really put her team ahead of herself and she put her whole life in those bags and she's like, I'm really so happy that I picked Safari as my partner. That was so sweet. It really was. So they're all heading downstairs and waiting for the bus or for the last of whoever's coming down. And Shatar kind of like makes, it didn't really seem snotty, but it was kind of like an offhand, like, wow did you put everything you have in those bags and becky goes yeah she pretty much put everything but her uniform yep. like you know trying to give her the credit where it's due so they head over to out of the closet and they are greeted by keith 
Now, I know these last couple episodes, I've been like, you know, he sucks, but, you know, in general, he is making some like on point evaluations of what's happening. I am fully back to fuck Keith. Yeah. This was yeah, a tough episode. Keith is an ass. Fully. Like, if anything, more than before for a variety yeah, of reasons. Yeah, for a variety of reasons we will now be discussing. Uh, I literally have in my notes, Keith is there to, I don't know, shit on them again. <laughs> Brooke and Laylene are up first. And Keith immediately comments on, like, what Laylene has in her bag. And he's like, oh, is that, like, is there no rear end on that? And then he turns to her and goes, when your clothes say skank, it may not be the best thing to sell. That's a little funny. They laughed at it. I mean, she laughed at it. But, like, to me, it's, I mean, obviously in her clothes, I get it, that her clothes are... I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound slut shamey, but like, and to it's be funky. honest, yes, yes. Uh, and she's got a particular aesthetic. And part of me was thinking in my head, like as much as they were like, who's going to wear any of this stuff? And I'm thinking to myself, well, if it's like an HIV AIDS organization, there's a good chance that it's probably a lot of LGBTQ potential, potential, mm -hmm. potential like sex workers who could potentially benefit from some of the stuff that she gives. Very good point. I might have been reading into that Definitely like a little point. too much, but like if they offer these kinds of services specifically for, you know, communities that are more likely to get HIV yes. AIDS, I mean, like it even could be straight cishet female sex workers you know i think that the idea that like nobody could benefit from Laylene's clothes was a little bit over dramatic <laughs> all of that to say yes. there know? are the people out there that will work. right and brooke actually well brooke's comment was like a little bit funnier where she was like i feel like we could open up a sex shop with what Laylene has yeah. like <laughs> which was like you know it could be its own kind of thrift store uh so Brooke hands over a bra and they tell her no bras and she's like, oh, so basically nothing that touches the breast or the vagina. And Laylene goes, well, I guess you can't take my beaded thong then. <laughs> Ma'am. Girl. I mean, I get that she, we've established that she's not the most street smart. She's not the most book smart. You have to know that you can't borrow other, you can't wear used underwear that wasn't touching you. Yes. I feel like that should be just common sense at this point. Like, throw right? the hands away, sis. Right? Like, nobody's going to want your used underwear, ma'am. So, there, it seems like initially, I mean, I don't know how much of this is editing, but for across the board between all the groups, it seems like they're turning down a lot of their stuff. But then again, I know that mm -hmm. tends to be the case it was with thrift. But also, stuff. I feel like that's kind of the case with thrift stores anyway, right? Yeah, like, like very closet and stuff like that. They don't right. They want your shit fresh from the fresh from the mall. Right, and even then, like they're still gonna. It's like returning a book at college. It's like <laughs> yeah. you use that yeah. for one chapter, and it's like we're gonna <laughs> offer you. Uh, you like paid one hundred and thirty percent of what it was worth at the most. Such yeah. shit. And Take then they the game it for that again. Right, exactly. It's one of the biggest fucking scams ever. Right. Both Man, bookstores and GameStop. Yeah, right. All yeah. of it. It's all scams. So uh, it seems like they're turning down a lot of Laylene's clothes, but I feel like that's kind of 
redundant for me to say across the board. So Brooke tries to give them a skirt that she says was $180, and the guy says it won't go for more than $10. Yeah. But by the looks of it, it was like a denim, it was like a frayed denim mini skirt. And it's like, he's probably right. You could get that anywhere during that time. Mm-hmm. I had one like that. I'm trying to come back. Like- I know. I had one like that once that I wore and I wore it with like an off the shoulder sweater and Uggs. And I had a teacher be like, so are you hot or cold? Make up your mind. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I know. Yo, I was like, what the older fuck? People, older people in their fashion commentary, like anytime I wear like, like cut off great jeans or distressed jeans, my grandfather always asked me, like, did I get in a fight with a lawnmower? Oh, please. Like, okay, like, come on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. Like, just like, just what rude. do you mean? Everybody right, had, let me every, live. right, everybody had trendy stuff that older people never understood. Like, let me live. Like, so, everybody can't wear khakis and a button up every day, Grandpa. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's a lot of effort. Like, that was my biggest thing. Like, I, I love Mad Men. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I would love to dress like that. Like that, like Mrs. Maisel. It's like, could you imagine, like, putting on that much makeup and putting that much effort into your hair every single day? I have like, good luck, so absolutely not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm a a wash and go type of gal like i don't i don't i i can't understand i I barely ever wear i wear makeup to only one of my jobs and even then half the time i'm doing like just eyeshadow and foundation and like a little mascara to make me not look sick like so right I, i can't understand that lifestyle at all so after a while, uh, finally, of them kind of being nickel and dimed, literally, uh, Laylene puts down the rings. And Keith is like, so what's the deal with those? And she's like, oh, they were my mom's. And he's like, what happened to your mom? And she's like, oh, she she passed away uh, from cancer. And and Keith is like, are you sure that you want to do this? In his basically only redeeming moment of the entire episode. And it's like, yeah, are you sure exactly. you really want to do this? And Brooke's like... Brooke says to her like as much as this competition means to me and to us and like I get what you're trying to do like I I don't feel comfortable with you being associated with you selling those rings and Laylene is just like listen respect my decision I'm going to do this so Brooke says again in her talking head I I really wanted to win I knew that those rings would be a huge money maker for us but I'm this is the one instance where I'm willing to put competition aside which is a lot coming from her uh that she's this is the one instance that she's willing to put competition to the side and she feels like Laylene is genuinely making a huge mistake. So I'm very impressed by Laylene in this moment because the guy offers her 85 and she looks at him 100% serious and goes, you can do better than that. Like, I, mean, I was going to say, all of this so. confidence, where has this been, ma'am? Like, right. Just so bold. And I love this but side you can of tell her. how much that meant to her too because she was like, where did, the, where did you pull this from? Like, yeah but she's not being too emotional about it like she's she's it's it's clear that it's got a lot of value to her and that it means a lot and she wasn't going to accept just any price but she wasn't being too and i mean if even if she was weepy about it i'm not to say that being weepy about it makes her any less so but she was all of this stuff that they say for her not being strong like this was a moment where it really finally came out and it was a good time that she really stood up for what she believed in so she agrees to $90 and says in a talking head, you know, my mom's ring is now gone, but my mom is in my heart and this is going to a good cause. And I know that she's watching over me and she'd be really proud of me. Mm-hmm. Part of me is like watching this going like, Keith, you should kind of put your foot down 
about this and be like no but you know whatever he's willing to let it happen i don't know do you guys think she should have yes exactly yeah yeah, do you guys think she should have put it out like do you think that she should have offered it up or somebody should have stopped her it's her decision no one is allowed to intervene it's yeah yeah in the end it's completely her decision yeah you can't even as a part like bro, bro can't be like no like we do not accept whatever you're gonna pay us it's like well f you like because it was her stuff yeah not nothing yeah. you can do about it i, I mean know. they could have specified saying like you're only allowed to donate clothes or something like that but they didn't they said donate whatever the hell you want yeah mm-hmm. so it's interesting because once they're done like it's actually surprisingly i guess a more private affair like the, normally I feel like they have the teams kind of all around while the other stuff is happening, but it seems like it's one team in there at a time. Uh, so they head out. Well, they only have one tape or I don't want to say tape, like register area. No, I know. But like you would think that they'd be in another part of the store kind of observing everybody else. But so once they're done, they head out to the bus and like Laylene says to Brooke, like, oh, I'm feeling really good about this. So then it's Larissa and Shay now and we get the knock off my humps music again. <laughs> <laughs> And they say my bumps. What? My bumps. What Instead about? of humps. Oh. Just smaller humps. Got it. Uh, I don't know. It's a knock. <laughs> I'm trying to make a knockoff version. I'm sorry. So they're putting down what appears to be a bunch of trendy looking stuff, but obviously they're getting very little money for it. And Shay is like pissed because she's like, what do you mean? These are citizens of humanity. And they were like $10. And the guy goes, not too many people know of that brand. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> These guys gave zero fucks. And I loved it. Yeah, they probably- had some snarky comebacks. I was like, oh. Right. And just very to the point too, straight face, like no emotion, just being like, nobody I really I feel like they them. were probably told by the production team also to be like yo like you need to do this for real but like do not give them more money just because of this or like i mean i'm sure that they i i I, something had to have been involved i don't think that they necessarily would have needed to because if you've ever had to interact with one of these types of people they're all pretty much like this (laughs) yeah they have a job to do and they probably see all types of people getting an attitude in there and just they gotta just take it at that point right exactly this is it take it or leave it Right. It seems like the worst kind of customer service. Well, one of the worst types mm. of customer service opportunities, because people always think that what they have is more valuable potentially than it is. But also, if you're very often, if you're willing to donate this kind of stuff that you may not always be in a situation that you want to yeah. give it away, but you need to, as we see right. a little bit later yeah. on. So Larissa does an impression and a talking head of Shay and her bad negotiating. And she's like, are you kidding me? That's a BB shirt. I want to talk to him. You're not treating me right. Bop, 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 bop. That was hilarious. <laughs> Shay had on her, can I speak to the manager wig? She's having her, can I speak to the manager, like, demeanor. Like, she's, she, she's saying what she means and she means what she says. So Keith is like, what's the deal like and it seems like they're take basically shay is kind of treating this like if you're not giving me the amount of money that i'm willing to take for it i'm taking it home with me yeah and so she like throws a bunch of stuff back in her bag and keith's like are you taking that stuff back and she's like i'm not sure yet he's like then maybe you should start putting stuff back in your bags i guess so Shay does finally get some money for some of the stuff, but she's still worried because it's going to be two people that are going home. So then we get Dara and Shatar, and Shatar drops her bag and immediately, like, you know, because she went in with a whole speech prepared about how this is couture and these are very personal couture items that, like, 
these guys are probably like, oh, fuck. Literally, <laughs> immediately, <laughs> the first thing, right, exactly. The very first thing he takes out of the bag, she's like, it's a red carpet gown from an award show. I would love to know the details. I need to. Like, for my sanity, I need to it's know the details. It doesn't mean she actually wore it to one. No, I know, but that's why I need <laughs> to hear where she... watch the Oscars in it. There, right. There you go. That or she was, like, a seat filler at the most. Like, or one of those people high up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it was, like, a local award <laughs> show or something like that. I forgot where she's from. I'm trying to think where she's from, but I don't know. I might have to look it up. But, uh... Basically everything the guys pull out from her bag, they say smells weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they, stains. There's Freaking stains. Hilarious. There's stains. There's holes, and you could tell that they're talking about armpit stains. She looks like a sweater mm-hmm. too. Yeah, she looks or she looks like stains because I'm well, huge. Oh my god! Yes, exactly. The the flop sweat. She looks like a flop sweater. <laughs> flop you know? sweat. Flop sweat. Flop. Yeah. That's what you call boob sweat? Well, it's boob sweat, butt crack sweat, lower back <laughs> sweat. Just folds in general. Right. Just anywhere. Right. Anywhere that, like, is it a. Flop sweat? Yes. Oh my God. It's like anywhere I've that's never not. I've that phrase, but I knew what she meant. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, yeah. Like, I hear flop and I'm like, all right, I guess I kind of understand. I actually learned this because like, if I wasn't boobs, watching. Like, go. If I wasn't watching VH1, I was watching one of Kathy Griffin's. uh stand-up specials on bravo for the 100th time and or her reality show she had a great reality show on during this time um and i learned it from her because she said that she was a flop sweater that she was like sweating all down her back and in her butt crack and stuff and i was like damn that sucks because this is the period of time where i was like super thin and then i put on like a little bit more weight and i was like oh yeah now i know this life (laughs) like this sucks. Uh, so basically, flops what I believe is considered anything that's not like your head or your armpits. You're sweating any of the any other places. I got a lot of flop sweat. I guess. Yeah, so. you're a flop sweaty ass bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so then uh, she brings up another piece that she says is in, in impeccable condition and hand beaded. He responds, "We don't take items that are stained like that." And then because like and normally you know I was expecting her to go full uh Shatar PR on this and she's like expect her to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. She looks like she goes, they're just on the interior, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> she tried. No, she didn't even do her full, like completely ignoring the truth level pr she like is acknowledging that there's a problem and trying to downplay it that is like code red in shatar language so in discussing these stains on these dresses now thinking back to the previous episode with the panties do y'all think those were stained or not i still think i still think that that was (laughs) discharge and i hate that i need to talk about shatar's discharge not not only once now this is the second time that i have to discuss it i I feel like it's just regular Because, like, Shay and Larissa seem like that segment of Twitter that's like, I change my underwear 500 times a day, and if you're not washing with essential oils, like, all that terrible stuff that gynecologists, like, recommend you don't do, like, douching and stuff, like, they seem like that segment of Twitter, you know? Like that. remember, like... Maybe last year sometime, there was, like, literally a challenge on Twitter where, like, chicks were taking pictures of, like, their panties to show that they had no discharge. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. as a challenge. Like, that yeah, was a I thing? I see that. 
Yeah, they seem yeah, like that segment of Twitter. Like that segment yeah. of pick me. They're and very like, pick yeah, me pick at this me, time. Shaming other chicks. Yeah, like, um, yeah. Unfortunately, Mike, yeah, that was a thing. It yeah. was a dark day on Twitter. That was just weird. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, because women, Hello, especially, weird. because men, like, because men don't understand, because cishet men don't understand, or probably cis men in general, don't understand yeah. how vaginas work. There is a lot of shaming where because men don't understand what's normal, they then make women feel bad for perfectly normal things. Mm-hmm. A lot and of women don't understand what's normal. Exactly. For that same reason. Exactly. Or because they're in this pick me mindset that they don't want a vagina in any way, shape, or form that is going to make a man think that they're abnormal. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is just the type of thing that we're forced to be aware of and contend with and dispel actually there was Discharge? a great <laughs> there was a great thing on uh oh, no, tiktok the other day where a girl did like the green screen background and she was showing men her male friends like a speculum uh a, a, a whatchamacallit a cup like a period cup whatever uh-huh. and uh something else and she was trying to have them guess what it was and they were completely clueless and then she posted the reaction mm-hmm. to the speculum one in particular you know what a speculum is right no <laughs> oh. see see you're about to have a whole new respect for your wife first of all uh yeah so it's this terrible awful device that was actually developed cool. uh it's, it's by a man by a, not only by a man but tested a on slaves man. yeah mm-hmm. to, uh, without by a white... nope nope the basically the foundation of gynecology uh, is based on mistreating slaves. Oh, I, I've seen this. Yeah, so if if you Jay are Martin a... Sims. Look them up. Yep. So if you are a cis man and you are listening to this and you are not aware of what a speculum is, one, if you're going to search it and you're at work, probably do it on an incognito browser, unless you're in yeah, the medical field. Yeah. Right? Uh, not on company Wi-Fi. And then... Uh-huh. Uh, gotcha. It's the thing that, like, spreads open when you're getting... It's your... not just spreads it open. The... The guys were explaining it. They were like, oh, it's like a car jack, like horrified. And oh it's like, God. yeah, that is how I describe it to people. Yeah, pretty much. The vagina car and jack. It all be metal. Yeah. A vagina jack. Yeah, basically. They, they crank open your vagina like a car jack. Well, the Google thing and says it's like they crank. gently do it. And it's... No, it's never gentle. No, ain't nothing mm. gentle about it. They just came around to if they, if somebody's still using a, a metal one, they just came around to warming them. Wow! I don't know why anyone's still using metal ones. First of all, the place that I gave birth at still uses metal ones. And I said, if I have another baby, I'm not coming back there unless y'all get plastic ones. I just don't understand how we haven't, as a society, come up with a better option. Yeah, for sure. It's awful. Like it's oh, it's, it's oh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, it is I, had, true. I shuddered thinking about it. like you think about how we're recording this right now we're in different places like there's so much every technological advance in the world that you're just like yeah but and we're still having to deal with this right exactly it's it's something only women have to do well that's what i was just gonna say right exactly (laughs) there you go not even not not exactly just women but people with vaginas and lord knows yeah especially i mean they barely they barely have the patience like society as a whole barely has a patience for cis women vaginas let alone anybody else who has a vagina they won't even acknowledge that those people exist so right it's all we're never going to advance (laughs) we can barely wrap our ideas around a woman president so 
Mm. <sighs> anyway. <Anywho. laughs> oh my god. Now that so, we're both traumatized. I know. Now that we're just both probably like crossing our legs, like squeezing all. But our any shit guy together. listening, if they didn't know, it's a no. I'm happy to inform. Moment. Believe me, I, I feel really like... say it every episode. I've learned something. Yeah, I, and day. I feel like more every like episode, rather. cis men need to learn about how vaginas work and periods work because it's something that afflicts a bunch of people you encounter in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Especially people like, that you claim that you love and want to be with. Right. Or just like your friends, your family, like this is what we're well, You don't want to with. think about your friends or family and their genitalia. Well, no, not necessarily, but even <laughs> in terms of like periods. Things stuff, they need to deal with, yes. I mean, you the... saw how that IUD affected me. I was like yeah, no, that's true. Doubled over in like so pain in so much pain once that I couldn't even hear. Um, like from an IUD, from a thing that's supposed to help me and make my life better, and like insanely underdeveloped. I have heard horror stories about those horror yep. stories. Yep, it's it was a miserable time in my life, and I'm glad that it's gone. Uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on from vagina corner. <laughs> this has been your VC moment. Yeah. So, uh, woman in your life, ten or twenty dollars for having a vagina. Both. Right, just <laughs> right. If she's got a, if she's got a Cash App or a Venmo or a PayPal, Venmo, just send her some whatever. money. Just send her one, just because, and then send her like a flower emoji as the explanation or something like that. <laughs> a flower. <laughs> yes, your flower. Yeah. Oh gosh. So, uh, anyway, Dara's pissed. Dara's <laughs> back pissed. to stains. Right, back to stains. Uh, Dara's pissed because basically, as much as Shatar gassed up all her stuff as being so valuable and so high end, not only is it not that, it's also in horrible condition. Uh, she calls it nasty, fat, nasty, and she's like, <laughs> everything on it was like deodorant stains, stains, rips, whatever. So Dara is like doing her New York style bargaining and she's just like, she seems better suited yeah. to this sort of environment. Five bucks, how about seven? Ten bucks, how about twelve? Yeah. She's always up in it by like two to five dollars. Right, she's working it. So, all right, so that's three out of four teams. Make your money. Now we are on to Safari and Becky. So right off the bat, the same way they have been doing with everybody else, they're not really taking any of Safari's stuff. Right off the bat, nothing. Well, she also is like uh -huh. kind of hyping up the value claims of something. Like, for example, like she's it looks like a pair of like kitten heel strappy sandals, and she's like, "These were three hundred dollars." And I'm like, "I don't no, believe you." Like, not because of who you are or anything like that, but just because like there's they just no don't way. Look it. Yeah. Right, exactly. MSRP three hundred, sale price twelve ninety nine. <laughs> so she uh, she gets an. An, she has a pair of actual name brand Uggs and they offer her $15 for those. And she, I don't think that seems that bad given that Uggs are like fur lined and a lot of people wear them without socks. Uh, plus like it's California. I mean, I know that it's supposed to be like, it was intended to be beach wear, but I, I don't know. $15 didn't sound completely. What? Who the fuck is wearing Uggs to the Surfers, beach? that was the point. That was Why? what they were invented huh. to be. Oh, you didn't. Oh, you didn't. Why? Know that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no uh, idea. Uh, I, that was the rumor that they were Australian shoes. Like they came from us. That's why it's UGG Australia, and yeah. it was for surfers who spent the day and like didn't want to wear. Um, I forgot which does. It seems so counterintuitive, doesn't it? That like she like sheep's wool lined 
boots were bad. I never really understood the logic of it, but they were uh, for surfers after a long day of surfing. Huh. I never thought about it. I also mean, because it doesn't make any sense. Hiking boots and not snow boots. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's weird. I never understood it, but that's how they became trendy. Huh. Or that's where they were the form to be. So she's, like, upset because, obviously, $15 doesn't seem like a lot. Especially because this was in, like, their heyday where it seemed insane that everybody was wearing, like, everybody was wearing shoes that cost this much money. And she's like, I spent all of my rent money on these boots. Which I was like, okay, they were expensive, but they weren't rent money. Yeah. Like, your whole rent money expensive. Unless, I guess, if you have roommates, maybe. Your and where she lives? Yeah, you don't know. Well, no, she lived in uh, South Central. It could be that low. And if she has a couple people with her. Yeah. I mean, because I, I'm pretty sure they've always been around like $200. I think. Yeah, something like that. So, Safari is getting increasingly upset. She's like, it says in a talking head that she's like, he's pissing me off. She's making me feel like my whole being is worth nothing. Now, this is an important distinction when you consider how everybody else is. If they're getting lowballed for what they're paying, a lot of it has been like, fuck like we're not earning enough to win and she's just like he's insulting me with these offers so safari is getting more and more upset and she's like i'm giving everything that i have like why aren't you guys take like why are you saying that this is worth nothing and so keith he's not really being mean here but he's not really being warm either where he's like well that's kind of how it works here like you you either take the price that they give you or you take it back and safari at this point has makeup mascara like fully running down her face like this is not just i'm mad about not getting the money that i want it's clear that there is something deeper than this and she's stressing she keeps stressing to keith how this is like everything that she has and it's not right that they're making it like it's not worth anything and keith is like okay but then you can just decide to keep it like if they're not going to take it and you don't like what they're offering you like you don't have to give it to them she's finally so fed up at this point that she like like gathers up all her items from the counter and like is like fully like screaming at them and throws her stuff in the bag and like storms off to the back of the store and the other ladies are watching from the bus and they're like oh fuck like what is happening pull yourself together so becky is just kind of like not really looking around just going through the motions of her own clothes and and keith now again cannot stress this enough fuck keith but, like, if this had been Mickey or Monique, they would have had the emotional awareness to be like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? But Keith just turns to Becky and he goes, so you're okay with how your teammate is doing? You're, like, okay with the fact that your teammate is doing this? And Becky's like, listen, there's not really that much I can do. Which is a safe answer. She's kind of right. She's like, trying. She doesn't want to, yeah go into too much about her she's not going to be like listen that's everything this girl owns and like i mean like well it's safari said that enough yeah that you think that it would have absorbed like the fact that he is so cold and callous of just being like your team your team what's going on with your team 
because I think that not that Mickey and Monique wouldn't have driven that point home, but I think that they would have been more aware of what Safari was doing and that this had to be a deeper thing than just like she's mad about the way money is being supposedly given to her. Yeah. I feel like Keith has a surface level view of these women. Oh, absolutely. He can't see past that. He's just like, oh, she's bitching, throwing a fit, throwing a tantrum. He can't see that there is a layer underneath that. Which is, it's so obvious if you have like an ounce of emotional awareness. Mm -hmm. Like, I get that the whole point of this and the whole point of his being there is that he's supposed to be the tough judge, the mean judge, the bitchy judge, whatever. But it's like, what? would it have done negatively for you to show some compassion? Like, would it have killed you to really just be like gone over and talked to her? It could also be you're... production instructions though. No, I don't believe that. I doubt it. I don't believe that. Like, I think that there's plenty you can blame on production, especially in this episode alone. Cause the only thing they does like afterwards is offer like a couple more dollars. Like, Oh, it's like you offered this, right? I mean, even That's like again, like the fact that he just was sort of very cold and callous about Laylene's ring, or just sort of being like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" Like, that's about it. Like, I just think that it was so fucked up the way he, and then he keeps saying it again because Becky, Becky does do this talking head in the middle. That's like, you know, Safari's really letting me down, and she's only thinking about herself. But I think that she probably. <sighs> I don't know how to take this talking head because it kind of is inconsistent with the way she treats Safari the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. That made me feel like production was probably asking her, like, do you feel, were you annoyed at Safari for storming off? And then it got taken in the middle of context as being like, I'm mad that she stormed off, but like, fine, I'm just going to have to carry the weight of the team. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed really inconsistent with the way she was treating Safari the rest of the time. You have to build somewhat of a distance between the team, I guess. I don't know. Becky, at this point, is deciding to hustle and get all of her clothes sold. So she's, like, willing to accept and not really doing a ton of negotiating. And and Safari is in the back, like, loudly crying. Like, they keep cutting back to... You can hear her, also, while they're showing Becky... In a way that's clear, it's, like, just out of mic range. So it's not just, like, they're amplifying Safari. Like, it's clear that you can hear Safari from where they're standing. And she's curled up crying in a rack of clothes. And then Keith turns to Becky again and goes, Becky, you do realize this was a team challenge, right? Like, in terms of the total being based on what both of you contribute. What a dick thing to say. Like. Like, bro, she knows. Like, goddamn. Like, you don't need to make her feel bad for the way that somebody else is behaving. Even taking how the fact that he's being so dismissive of Safari out of it, to make Becky feel bad about the fact that she can't control Safari's emotions is fucked up. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, force a reaction out of her. They're trying to force them against each other. I think they were trying to force a, a negative reaction out of Becky, and they didn't get it. Exactly. Because Becky is, like, a decent human being. Like, yeah, exactly. and, and I don't think that she fully, it's not to say that I think that Becky is fully aware of what Safari was going through. She could have been, but it didn't 
we didn't see a discussion between them, but it's clear that if she's having this visceral of a reaction and saying, you're saying that my stuff, she's saying out loud, you're treating me like my stuff is worth nothing. Yeah. That again, if you have half an ounce of self-awareness or emotional awareness, you can see that this girl is responding to way more than just, Mm. you know, I'm not going to win this competition. I might go home. Yeah. Which then on top of that, like, it could be the added pressure of knowing that if she goes home, she's not going to have access to that $50,000. Yep. Or any of her stuff. Exactly. Or a- yeah, and, any, and any of her stuff. Like, yeah. honestly, both of the above. So we do get one moment of levity that is sad and funny simultaneously. So like I said, they keep cutting back to Safari crying in the corner. And at one point, she, like, pulls the sleeve of a a white dress shirt that's hanging up and like blows her nose in it oh my god it was so fucked up because like the context of it is so sad and they like really play it for like laughs laughs but like in the context of the show it's like it's funny but it's like she's really upset like she's i feel really like i should in hard yo she's like like funeral crying like boohooing for real in that, in that shirt i i about fell off my couch i ain't even gonna lie like <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god well i guess it's also kind of like funny in like an awkward way in the context of everything else going on like i said it's like one moment of sort of levity in the midst of what is otherwise a very sad situation mm. yeah so then Safari has a talking head where she says, like, all of a sudden I hear something say team and she real she says that she realizes she's being really selfish and that she needs to pull herself together so she won't be expelled because I had a tantrum. <laughs> and and like I guess I guess it is kind of selfish, but also no, it's not. Like We'll get into later why this was straight up, like, triggering for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it was genuinely triggering, and she had a right she to... She had a good reason to feel her, her feelings. Right, exactly. So, she comes back and negotiates for a bunch of her stuff, and she's really hung up on selling boots for a higher price, and he's like, wow, you really do love these boots, huh? That's clearly from a man who has never really been poor. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just stuff. When Imagine this, if he grew up, like, really poor. No. Because like, I think that he would have had more compassion for her then. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that he grew up it. rich, but I feel like if you can't see why these, it's more than just boots and more yeah. than just clothes... Because it's one thing for somebody like Shay to be caught up in brand names and being like you, whatever. This is it's clear that Safari, like it, it's it is more than just the fact that it's Ugg boots. It's something that she finally. It's clear that it's something she got to have like a name brand and be trendy and you know have that thing that coveted thing that people really wanted during this time. And had to go without God knows what to get it. Like exactly her rent money. Like if you never had to make a decision on your rent money or bill money and something else, and you and something that brought you joy, because that's like that attitude. And I know that like I've been guilty of this in the past, where it's like, oh, you have the money for this and not this, and then it's like you know you grow up and you if you're like you know trying to make an effort to 
be a halfway decent person is like you start to realize that like if you don't have a lot of money you should still be entitled to joy exactly. like something yeah, that brings you, you joy right like just because you're poor it's not a moral failing and you don't need to suffer because it's like when people like people that complain about people in walmart are like oh you're using a food stamp card but you got on nikes like um people are allowed to have nice things right just let people enjoy stuff yeah let and not having to... those Nikes isn't going to change their life situation. Right. It's just going to make you, it's going to give you something or, in the yeah. midst of everything else being so shitty. Like, that's what they say about millennials in general. They're mad that we're not buying houses, but we're going on vacations. It's like the world is fucking ending. Like, I'd rather enjoy myself than have this thing well, yeah. that People you go on vacations because, like, they have some money to go on a vacation. They don't have enough to save up to get a house. I'm sorry. At this point it's in my life, cross equivalency. <laughs> right exactly that's exactly what it is. at this point in my life i'd rather you don't care to have a house it's like well we're getting paid the exact same amount you did in 1977 so i would say that might be why and the... a thousand times more infinitely exactly. more right like it's oh, but the older just... generation doesn't give a shit they think like everyone still has to earn their keep and it's like yeah like you think about it, it's like people used to be able to have like they a house a family with like two cars and send three kids to college on like 30 grand and it's like people are still mm-hmm. getting paid the exact same amount nowadays if that if as much and that's barely enough to get you like rent for an apartment groceries and hopefully a car finance or lease and that's like on top if of the you... fact that y'all scammed us into going to college and now we're we're up to our ears and student loan debt right exactly. you've worked to pay back your debt that's all it is that's life and that's what like so i made the mistake Fuck the establishment all right chill yeah. <laughs> um uh i I made the mistake of reading the comments on an article about the fact that New Jersey is potentially going to offer free tuition to two of the state colleges uh, for people who, for if your household income is under, I think, $65,000 yeah. a year. Uh, the cost of living in most of New Jersey. New Jersey insane. is unreasonably expensive to live. Yeah. Like, no matter where you are, it's it's out of control. But mm. the, I mean, obviously it's out of control to live most places, but like given what we have, it is, it's not, New Jersey is unreasonably expensive. So the comments underneath were overwhelmingly negative. Like it, I had to scroll for so long. I had to pay for college. Why not even that. Be, it's, like, it's like, go saying, fuck yourselves. It's saying like, oh, that's not fair to people, to families who make more than that. It's you're just getting a free ride. You're just teaching these kids, like these poor kids, that they are just entitled to things without working for them. No. Like all that's of that, what rich families are. Their kids are entitled without having to work for shit. Yeah, but the same like shit. Well, that's why they say that, like even like poor poor people, just a, a lot of poor people just see them like pe- poor people who have that like bootstraps mindset are just consider themselves like what is the word like temporarily not millionaires. I can never remember exactly the verbiage yeah. for it. But it's like they they do stuff based off of what they want to be, not what they are. Like exactly. yeah, that's why it's like so many of them identify with Trump. Like the idea that like mm-hmm. he's like me, and it's like no, he's actually nothing Absolutely like not. you. So I wish I could get a couple million dollar loan to start a business. At that point, I'm just be like, all right, I'm, yeah. I'm just retiring and living comfortably. Yeah, right. Exactly. In the middle, somewhere else, because you still couldn't afford that. In like the idea that somehow being born into money makes you deserve like i i listened to a great podcast i highly recommend called you're wrong about 
and they talk about different instances throughout history that people have the wrong impression of and some of it is pop culture stuff too so they just did an episode on anna nicole smith bringing it back to 2000s reality tv a little bit that like focus more on this and they talk about how when she was doing that estate battle with j howard marshall's son Mm-hmm. And people treated her like she was this horrible gold digging monster for being for loving a man like the first man in her life, the, one of the first people in her life to really look out for her and take care of her. Like, how is she so much more pathetic for feeling entitled to the money than a guy who just happened to be born into it? Because women are supposed to want to accept the bare minimum and absolutely nothing in order right. to have one. Right. But men can just be born into wealth and somehow they deserve that. Yep. Make it make sense. I don't know. Somebody out there, if you can make it sense of it, it, please. Crystal from the Reed says it. You can't make sense out of nonsense. Yep. Uh, so back to this <laughs> depressingness. We've gone on so many tangents. <laughs> I know, but I love it. That's why we, that's exactly, that's what the show is all about. So uh, she finally dis- agrees to sell the Uggs. Uh, she, Safari says she tries her best to make amends and do what I have to do. And hopefully I won't end up on the carpet as a result. And as they're getting on the bus, they see that a woman that was in the store had already bought the Uggs. So, like, she runs outside and she's like, how much do you pay for those? And the lady's like, $20. And she's like, okay. And then the woman goes, they're Uggs. <laughs> the woman was very excited. Yeah, really. Yeah. She's, like, very proud of her find. As if she wasn't there for that screaming match. They showed her there on. the whole time. Yeah. yeah. She was just waiting wasn't for Wasn't that the lady going. that was there when she was blowing her nose in the, in the show? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. She was walking uh-huh. around the store that whole yep, time. hundred percent. She was waiting in the wings, boy. <laughs> right, I know. She was like, oh, Uggs? Yeah. Like, them look like they my size. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the ladies head back to the house, and uh, they're all kind of heading back upstairs, and Dara's like, oh, Safari, Safari, um, you know, I saw that you gave a lot of your stuff away, and if you want to take a look through my stuff, and see if you want anything like the fits, like I'm happy to give it to you. And Dara's in, does says in a talking head, she's like, I felt really bad about the fact that she clearly gave all of her stuff away. And like, I was willing to share with her. Mm-hmm. And Safari is immediately incensed. And she frames it. She's like, from the get go in her talking head, she's like, this is the fakest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, if you have so much to give to me, like, why didn't you give some of that to out of the closet? And she's like, no, I'm just not even going to tolerate this. And so Safari's really driving this point home of, like, why, if you have this stuff to give to me, why couldn't you have given it away at the thrift store? And Dara's like, I did give everything I could give. And Safari's like, then how much, how are you giving me so much stuff? And Dara's like, it was literally just going to be one or two tops. Now, before we get into obviously the multitude of layers of this like i don't know it just seemed to me like dara it's different giving stuff away to a thrift store is different than offering somebody you know personally in need exactly this is like hey this is like things i was keeping but you obviously need some shit more than i do at this moment right like you're doing it for a friend and i assumed that she wasn't going trying to be malicious no i think and I think this is so interesting that this is the second time that this has happened with Dara. 
where like the rest of the house including the bigger girls operate under the impression that dara is so much bigger than them and she ain't she's not like she's offering you the clothes because she knows that like nobody else will if you want to borrow clothes from somebody else or something for the rest of your duration on the show that nobody else is really going to have stuff that exactly. fits her and lord knows mm. you don't want to wear any of shatar stuff based on how it's been described up until this point so Safari is like super incensed and some of it I do believe is her trying to be like oh you could have I don't know this whole thing of, oh, I lied I take that back I feel like this whole front of being like you should have given more of this stuff away you're being selfish is just deflection from the yeah. fact that she doesn't she probably doesn't want Dara's stuff probably because it's not her style and that the implication that Dara is so much bigger than her but also as we kind of established later she doesn't like the idea of somebody very openly like treating her like a charity case exactly that seems to be the biggest thing so Safari then accuses Dara of like holding back stuff on purpose so she could look really nice for like she she then tries to say that dara is putting on this big show of looking like a nice guy for giving her stuff which i don't think was the no, case has nothing to at do with all that. That, yes. that is, like i don't think so either yeah i don't know where she got that idea in the first place i think that all of this is just deflection her own mental yeah her own like mental her models. own mental gymnastics she wants to say out loud like i don't need this shit and she her way of doing that is trying to look altruistic and being like why weren't you giving more to the people who really need it yeah so it erupts into full-blown screaming uh hulu captions literally call it unintelligible arguing uh <laughs> safari safari does defaults back into her i'm from 54th and crenshaw and then calls mm-hmm. dara a fake fat ass so they it's a commercial break and they come back from commercial and dara's like in a talking head like i'm just trying to be nice and she's screaming at me and she's like you don't want to see the side of me that's angry you don't want to see the side of me that's got like a temper so bad i could kill your ass like whatever so they're screaming and then monique calls over the loudspeaker that it's time to go over the results and dara is like whatever you can call me fake but i've been called worse than that and safari's still screaming at her and they just go their separate ways so Safari does a talking head about I don't want to be treated like a charity case and Dara is trying to be manipulative and just, I don't know, the mental gymnastics of feeling shitty. The best I could do. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Pretty much. So Monique is down there and she tells them that two people are going home. Uh, again, and the ones who dug the deepest and gave the most are safe from expulsion. So Dara and Shatar donated uh, $641 worth of clothing, which is like way more than I thought they were going it's to like get. 500 something. Honestly, all of them dollars. ended up with way more money than I would have expected. Yeah, they must have showed a whole lot more than what they took a whole lot more than what they showed you us. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting to see like the entire process, but like. 641 yeah. and that being far and away it the lowest closer to like 200 based yeah. on like things they oh were easily like for this 10 for this two for this and it's like all right, right. i'll make like exactly. 200 bucks just proof that like you should save your coins because that shit 
adds up eventually. Mm-hmm. Those random mm-hmm. charges, they all come back. Makes me want to go donate my clothes. Yeah. Right. Makes we me need to empty my closet out and go to Plato's. <laughs> right. Apparently, could be making bank. I'll probably still come back with $35. Right. I know. <laughs> Maybe we should take a group trip to California, just fly out to as a closet, see what kind of deals they give us. So Becky and Safari uh, made $868. Becky actually looks at Safari and kind of makes this face like, see, like everything's fine. And she she gives her a big hug. And it was a nice little moment between the two of them. Laylene and Brooke made uh, $823. And then Larissa and Shay made $871 and Monique goes making them the winner. And then Shay does this thing that I could only compare to like she does it. She goes like she does this weird thing with her arms and she's like cool. And I was like yeah she does. And I'm like this seems so off brand for her. Like you know the rest Right, like she like the rest of the time she comes off as like this cool like Atlanta chick, like very, you know, new new, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and like, then all of a sudden, dog. what? No, I was like, she's like hot dog. I don't know. It sounds like some someone's something. Oh, I thought. Said. Well, that's right because you haven't seen ATL as many times as I have, so I no, thought it was. I thought you were making an ATL reference. God, you're obsessed but with that movie. I, I actually haven't seen it in a very long time, but I roll bounce is better. That's. A, that's you can't compare the two. They're not the same. Yeah, yeah that actually that makes true. you sound well, a lot Well, the only racist. thing similar is that there's, like, a skating rink involved. And in yeah, Atlanta. because it's Atlanta. Like, right? Because that's... Rollbound takes place in Atlanta, too, right? Oh, I don't does know. it? I have no idea. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just knew it was Whatever. skating. I just assume because of skating, it's Atlanta, yeah. Right, I exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so she... I don't know, like, it was kind of, like, nice... To, we see a little bit of hints of like a a softer Shay a couple times during this episode. That like she does that weird nerdy like cool thing, and then uh, later on, that her conscience gets the better for a little bit. They're celebrating. Shay and Larissa are celebrating, and all of a sudden, Monique goes until Leilene gave up her mother's ring. Like, she was like, they got $90 for that, bringing Laylene and Brooks' total up to $913. And Shay goes, well, now I look like a damn idiot because I just, hoorah. Like, I mean, just in case it wouldn't have been weird that she did that little motion and her voice contorted her voice like that, it was even weirder in the context where they didn't actually win. That's hilarious. So this was weird to me. Like I was saying before about Laylene being kind of weird during this episode is like she is kind of smug in her talking head where she's like, ha ha, like you lose. Which I was like, you have to sell your dead mom's ring to win. And also we're talking about money for charity. Like all of this just felt weird to me. Yeah, like it's still a competition, but it's supposed to be about giving back. Like it kind of defeats the purpose. Right, like, especially because you gave something, like, so... It makes me question, like, if that giving was to really be helping somebody or if it was to, you know, just... Exactly. Mm. So, (laughs) 
Monique, they did not announce this earlier, but the winners do get something else in addition to being saved. They get a shopping spree. So I was like, wow, like that's cool. And then she goes to Forever 21. And I laughed my ass off. Like, party cackles. Because. Sounds like a character from the show. Hardy Cackles? It's my neighbor, Hardy Cackles. Anyway. <laughs> like, I was laughing because by the time I was most of these women's ages, and as we mentioned, I am Laylene's age currently. Like, I am the age that Laylene was when she was on this show. I had already aged out of Forever 21. Like, I was done shopping at Forever 21 by the time I was maybe Shay's age. Like by Shay and Brooke's age, I would uh, Brooke. Uh, by Shay and uh, Larissa's age, I don't know. I guess Larissa looks more like a Brooke to me. I don't know. I don't know. But by the time I was like Larissa and Shay's age, I was going in there and feeling like, oh, I'm kind of old. Like I mean, I'm not hating. I'm not hating on like I love a good cami. I love a good you know like if you need to pick up a little something because I feel like you reach a certain age and you're like you're fully aware that forever 21 stuff only has like three washes at most before it starts to fall apart and you're if i like listen like a teenager right if i need like a hoe top that i don't ever plan on wearing again like i'll go to for or if i need like a graphic tee you know for a a theme night somewhere you know i think that was the last time i shopped at forever 21 was like i needed to get leggings Oh yeah, absolutely. If you need right, if you need a good cheap basic item or something for a very specific party purpose, Forever Mm -hmm. 21 is your go-to. But by the time you are Laylene's age, most of what is in Forever 21 is not for you. Mm -mm. So they're like thrilled, you know, over the moon that they get this opportunity. And in addition to Brooke and Laylene getting that shopping spree, they get to pick one other team to go with them. I was kind of surprised they didn't make them choose right then, but that's what I thought was going to happen. I don't know. So Safari says in a talking head, she's like, listen, life isn't fair. And at least I, she goes, at least I haven't seen it really be. And then she goes, so it's just another reinforcement of what the real world is really like. And I'm like, that is the saddest thing anybody has ever said on Seriously. any of these shows. Like, holy that shit. That is morbid. It's like, god damn, like, life has really, like, gave it to her. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, they didn't do that bad. What was the final count? What was the difference between them? Like, Actually, uh, Becky, oh, no, they would have, they they still would have lost. If Like, let's say they hadn't turned in the ring. Becky and Safari still would have lost, but it would have been to Larissa and Shay. Yeah, by three dollars. Huge difference. Well, Mike said, Mike pointed out, it's three dollars. Yeah. Oh, three dollars. Damn. Because yeah, because Larissa and Shay had eight hundred and seventy-one, and Becky and Safari had eight hundred and sixty. And it makes you think if Safari literally owned one more thing, or if one of them would have just agreed to sell one more thing or given away one more thing, or like if Larissa and Shay had given one less thing. Yeah. Like it, it really would have come down to that. So, like Loki, the the ring was a good thing for everybody. Exactly. So, 
Monique tells them uh, that they get to pick another team, and Shatar makes sure to like lean in and goes, "Oh, congrats!" And I and I wrote in my notes before knowing how it went. I was like, "I'm sure she's doing this as a way to get in on the shopping spree." Mm-hmm. And Larissa says in a talking head, "I guess stripper clothes are worth more than I thought, unless she gave him a blowjob." Damn crack whore. Which I was like, "Did you not hear that the thing that put her over the edge was her dead mother's ring?" Like. Are you dumb? Like, what kind of heartless bullshit is that? Like, I know that I'm really trying to, I'm, I've been trying to give Larissa a break. Mm-hmm. Like, but holy fuck. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. that's what set her over the edge. It wasn't her stripper clothes. It was her dead mother's wedding ring. Exactly, yes. So it doesn't we, matter. Larissa just has to crack her jokes. Right. She just needs to be, right, a monster to make her look like a badass. So. Yeah. It's the next morning, and Sapphire, we see Sapphire in the bathroom doing a very loud burp. Uh, That's pretty funny. I don't know why they needed to include that, except to further embarrass these women that they've established are low class. Uh, so Monique calls them down over the loudspeaker and says, uh, Leilene and Brooke can pick who's coming with them on the shopping spree. So Larissa's like, oh, well, obviously she's not going to fucking pick me and Shay, so, but whatever, we have to go down there. And Brooke says to the group, like, listen, we want it to be a nice drama-free day. And I was kind of expecting her to, I was, based on, like, how fucking desperate and pathetic they kind of tend to be, I was expecting them to offer it to Shay and Larissa as an olive branch. I I don't know why I had that flash in my head for a quick second, where I was like, maybe they'll do that, which would be such a whack move. No, in my head the whole time, I was like, oh, they're going to pick Safari because Safari and Becky, because they know, right. And they and then Brooke goes, so we're choosing the team that actually congratulated us, Dara and Shatar. And it's like, wow, you actually picked a worse option. Yes. Like probably the worst option. Yes. And they can't fit nothing in Forever 21 back then. There was no plus size in Forever 21 then. They're right, exactly. That is a relatively new addition. Yes, that was my first thought because I need the plus size of the Forever Twenty One because then my extra <laughs> large is a plus size. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. So, and then Safari is obviously visibly upset, and she's like, "So, can we go back to bed?" And whatever, they all break up. And Safari says in a talking head, "She's like, oh, what? You brought me out of bed for what? So you could like just taunt me?" She's like, "Dara can't even fit in anything in Forever Twenty One." Which again, it's like probably Shatar can't either. Like. I don't know how much bigger they think that Dara is than all of them, but she's not that much bigger. Like, I don't, I, like, maybe, really maybe seeing something in person is different, but, like, I I don't see that big of a difference. That sounds really, really kind of like dismissive, her, but. It looks like her weight is just distributed differently. Like, exactly. it's not necessarily that she's so much bigger. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because she's not all like about to topple over boobs like Shatar and yeah, and like her waist isn't significantly smaller than the rest of her, but like them girls right. are not skinny, like right, right, and that's not shade, that's not fat shaming. It's like it's just an assessment of body types. Yes. Yeah, it just is what it is. Right. So Shay, in a moment of clarity, is like, "What the fuck?" Like. Why the fuck would you pick Dara and Shatar? Like, why wouldn't you pick the team that you know for a fact gave away everything that they had? Which I was like, good for you. Good on you. 
that you knew. So we get a quick scene of them at Forever 21 and they're screaming like this is something super exciting. Um, they're all picking the worst stuff. Like mm-hmm. I hear Brooke say something like, oh, I like that it kind of looks like Gucci. And I'm like, this is Forever 21. Like, it this don't is look a like knockoff of a knockoff. <laughs> and like uh, Laylene goes for this really tacky like zebra print uh, like cami type thing. Like I I don't know if it was actually like a nighty or like one of that because this was that era where we all wore stuff that looked kind of like that. Shatar is literally making some poor sales associate take something off of a mannequin for her. She is dismantling the mannequin mm-hmm. to get this thing. And she's like, oh, that she don't need, in- she need to leave it right where it's at. That's because mm-hmm. it was like a, it looked like a sparkly tube top. And I'm like, there's no way. There's ain't no way, way. Fits her, yeah. Not even Based that, but like, ain't no way it's gonna too. look good on. It's not gonna look absurd on you. Like Miss Couture was having a field day in Forever Twenty One, right? For all of this that she, like, you would think that she would turn up her nose at the idea of not shopping Couture, which is like just further evidence that she is full of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so back at the house, uh, Larissa and Shay are discussing the very good odds that they could go home. And they're like, well, we need to set up somebody else to take the fall for something so they can go home instead. So they decide to set up Shatar because she's the easiest target. They decide to take something of Leilene's and put it under Shatar's bed because they're like, oh, Shatar has uh, a reputation for stealing. She's built up a track record and it would be easy to blame on her. And then Shay like tries to make this weird thing where she's like, oh, we're going to send her home before she steals something of ours. And like, and then Larissa goes, like, I feel like this was self-sabotage on Larissa's part because she's like, if I'm going to go home, I'm going to go home with a bang. Like, she wanted to cause trouble and, like, exactly. just be terrible. So they decide to take the pictures Laylene had of her mom and her children and put them under Shatara's mattress. This is the dumbest fucking plan. Like. I said I wrote here in my notes that what they should have done is the Regina George plan, which is like the burn book thing where you take something of your own and put it in Shatar's stuff. Because normally, if we were dealing with smarter people, Leilene and Shatar would have both been able to get to the bottom of the fact that there is no reason why Shatar would have taken anything of Leilene's, especially something personal. Because even if you look at track record, Leilene, uh, Shatar, when she made the claims in the on Flavor of Love and when she took the stuff, she's taking clothes because that's the kind of thing that has value to Shatar. She's not taking personal family stuff. It seems like family stuff is a sensitive subject for Shatar based yeah. on her the situation with her mom like we've gotten to the bottom of before. You take something of your own because you don't give room for other people to realize there's no sense in somebody taking the thing. Because you can then play the victim and be like, you took this from me. How could you do this from me? You're adding extra unnecessary variables. And the time like when it disappeared they were all on the shopping spree. Exactly. Well, I guess it could be, my thinking of that would be like, Laylene wouldn't necessarily have paid attention to it. Like she could have easily missed it if it had been gone earlier. That's true. How it goes from here is so fucking silly. So we get a quick little aside and 
Safari goes and knocks on Monique's office door. And she says in her talking head that the argument with Dara was really starting to bother her. So she went to talk to Monique. She tells Monique about how she gave everything that she had at the charity drive. And when she got back, Dara offered her a suitcase of stuff and basically was like, oh, well, I guess she didn't really need it then. Why would you give me all this stuff if we just came from a charity drive? So we had like a huge argument. And I thought that her intention to go to Monique was about, oh, I've come to this conclusion about why it really upset me and like trying to make herself look better. But after a while, I started to realize that she's so mad at Dara that she thinks that by throwing Dara under the bus, she's going to get Dara sent home. Yeah. Like, basically, she's trying to rat her out for not giving as much as she gives, but Monique and the rest of us have a very different takeaway from this discussion. So she acknowledges that her emotions did get the best of her at Out of the Closet because she felt like the guy was devaluing her and she doesn't like feeling like that because she's had an experience before with everything being taken from her. So she goes on to explain that when her dad died, it sounds like she lost nearly all of her belongings i could swear and maybe i'm making this up that it comes up later that she was in foster care but i could be completely making that up yeah i have no idea I and mean, we'll come across it eventually obviously yeah i guess we'll see but she doesn't like that when people take her property and when things belong to her like she gets really protective over her stuff because she's had an experience where all her stuff was taken from her and she had no control over it and she does she admits to getting really defensive and wanting to fight people when they kind of make her into a charity case. And she feels even worse about that because she doesn't feel like she is a charity case. And Monique does this whole talking head where she's like, oh, my God. Like, that explains exactly what happened to her on Flavor of Love. And they go back to show that whole scene like, don't be hitting me with flowers. Like, she was territorial over the bed because it was something that she had claimed and she didn't want somebody taking that away from her. And Maybe I that's when we heard the foster care thing at the time. Did it come up back then? When I she don't was remember. To I think herself? I feel like I suggested that then is a potential thing, but I feel like this, I, I kind of remember as a teenager, this being a moment for me as much as people throughout your life tell you you know you don't know what everybody's going through you don't know people's circumstances and why they behave the way they do i feel like this it seems so silly that it happened through a vh1 show was like a moment for me where it was like damn because she was really such a fucking punchline on flavor of love for like acting so ratchet and you know acting like a crazy person over what a bed Mm. you know but this was a moment where it was like damn like we really didn't know this and the fact that she was just kicked out, which, I mean, as we talked about at the time when we discussed this on Flavor of Love, like, the fact that she got kicked out and the other girl didn't right away, like, she was some kind of monster, you know, this just adds a whole layer to it. And hopefully it kind of inspired in more people a little bit more sympathy for her and for the situation. It's still wild to me that the other girl on Flavor of Love didn't get kicked out because she did hit her with the flowers first. She she was really like instigating that fight too. They should have both gone home. I'll stand by that till the yeah, day I die. I do too. Like if they, like, one was gonna go, they should have both went. Right. But flavor flavor is trash. We we know this. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm also kind of surprised that beyond this conversation and a little bit during the elimination process, like 
that's the only times that this very important like character development so to speak moment is addressed like so much more of the episode is devoted to drama and other bullshit where it's like we're uncovering a very real human trauma here and we're just gonna gloss right over it like mm-hmm. it's just a b plot to the yeah. to the other bullshit that's happening well, in this story issues next right so she says um she's really uh monique really appreciates that safari shared that with her and monique tells her you know don't let anybody give you power over you uh you really have to be in control and they fist bump and they say that they love each other and safari leaves the office so the ladies come back from their shopping spree and shay is practically rubbing her hands together like some card some kind of cartoon villain so all of a sudden Laylee notices the picture of her mom is gone and then kind of says as like an afterthought like oh and also the pictures of my kids kind of weird uh (laughs) you know like you would say the pictures of my mom and my kids but she's like my mom's picture my mom's picture so she's looking around and shatar has the bed next to hers so she's like hey could you like check if it happened to work its way into your stuff and shatar's like sure no problem and side note i realized later that shatar isn't another random plaid skirt that's not the uniform skirt so i'm like you just have a series of schoolgirl skirts she just likes plaid I mean, maybe she's constantly in party city getting costumes because look at them wigs. I mean, <laughs> that and like that little Bo Peep ensemble she wears on occasion. That Gomer Pyle, like the one that uh, Courtney called Gomer Pyle. Yeah. Like, episode, <laughs> like in Flavor of Love. You know, you're, you're right. She probably does. Go back to party city where you belong, bitch. For all my Drag Race fans out there. So they're all looking around and trying to find it. Laylene is like walking through the house and she makes her way into Larissa and Shay's room. And they're like not even trying to make eye contact with her. Red flag number one, like should have been clue number one. So she's like, oh, like, have you guys seen it? And they're like, no. And she's like, okay, well, I'm just, I'm asking around everybody. And, you know, if you, if you just keep an eye out for it, I guess. And they're like, whatever. So as soon as she leaves, they're like giggling and Shay's like, you're an evil devil. And they give Larissa like the Sister Patterson devil edit. Yes. <laughs> I was like, nice. Glad they brought that back. Larissa goes back to Shatar and she's like, again, like, please, can you just like look through your stuff? Like in case somebody put it there, maybe. Again, all of these things should have been clues. So while they're looking around and being like Shatar is actually being pretty helpful for somebody as self-centered as Shatar. Sh- like Shatar actually says, "Do you think somebody would actually put your picture in my stuff?" She's like, "That would actually be kind of mean." So, Laylene, I don't know. She's like falling for this hook, line, and sinker that Shatar is like playing mind games with her, and I'm not clear on why. So, seemingly hours later, Laylene is still looking at it and. I kind of put that she's in a cami and a beret for some reason. <laughs> like, is that your casual look? Like, just throwing on a beret just because? It's her searching gear. I guess. So, all of a sudden, because it's getting closer to elimination time, Larissa is suddenly very much inserting herself in the investigation. Gotta give a hint. Well, this is very much like a typical, like, true crime trope. If you know, if you follow, you know, true crime cases where... It's not uncommon for somebody who's responsible for a murder or a kidnapping or something to be very responsible, like a missing person case to 
for the person who was responsible for it to insert themselves into the investigation. So Larissa straight up says in a talking head, like, I'm trying to speed up this process because like I want I want her kicked out by this elimination. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have time for this to go any further. And Larissa straight up fucking suggests, oh, well, why don't you just like look in Shatar's bed? The sheets. Well, she says the sheets, but either way. And she's like, trust me, she's sneaky. And then says out loud, because I don't want you blaming me. Like, she's telling on herself so much. Like, holy it's just, shit. Yeah, it's a little way too obvious. And, like, the fact she didn't just catch on is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's Lailene, so. Yeah, yes. exactly. We're not exactly, we're not working with a brain trust here. So, Becky and Brooke are kind of looking with her. And Brooke, I think, is looking through the sheets. And Lailene ultimately lifts up the bed and finally finds it. And Larissa, who is standing there watching all of this happen, goes, plan succeeded. And I'm like, was mission accomplished, like, trademarked by the Bush administration or something? Like, who says plan succeeded? She just said it in the, like, productions. Like, you can't say that. Well, I mean, Come right, up with maybe, something else. Right. And Larissa's like, wow, I told you guys. She's setting you up. And Becky's like, I thought that Becky caught on because Becky's like, I don't know. This seems like another level yeah. for Shatar. That's some like, crazy shit. Right. I'm genuinely shocked that Becky's falling for it. Or at least she's like doing a good job falling for it in her talking head. I don't really understand. Uh, so Shatar is walking back into the room as Dara is walking out. And Dara's like, oh, you funny. And Shatar's like, what? Why? And Laylene's like, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Uh, did you take my stuff? And Laylene's, uh, Laylene, uh, oh my God, Shatar is like, I don't understand why you keep asking me like I told you. And Becky's like, because she found that shit under your bed, fool. Like, doing a whole lot. Doing a whole lot. <laughs> so Shatar in her talking head is like, I have no issue with Laylene. Why would I do this to her? And Shatar says to Laylene, I'm glad you found them, but like, I have no reason to take these pictures from you. And if, again, if they were smarter, that would have been good enough. So Shatar's like, if it was under my mattress, somebody else put it there. Who suggested that you look under the bed? Yeah. I cannot believe a single person in this whole exchange doesn't go, Larissa. Yeah. Because it was Larissa's idea to look in the bed yeah. region. Like, I'm not going to throw out any names. No. Well, first she says we're not going to name any names. But then they take the question too literally. Like, because Shatar keeps asking, to kind of speed this up because we've been talking for a while now. But, like, they ask a couple different times, like, whose idea was it to look in the bed? And they're like, Laylene, which just because Laylene decided to lift up the bed, it was not her idea to look in the bed yes. in the first place. It, and like all of them say it was Laylene's idea. I don't understand. Like, I, how are you all this stupid? The scene was, <laughs> it was, it was just terrible. Especially because after that, like, hold on. So Shatara kind of takes it upon herself to get to the bottom of this because she's not trying to get accused for something that she didn't do. And, like, you can kind of see in Laylene's face that, like, she's not totally buying it, but she doesn't really have another plausible explanation. Yeah. 
Shatara's going around and asking everybody, and they're all saying Laylene, 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 until they get to fucking Larissa, who's like, yeah, I said that you stole stuff before, so you should look under the sheets, but it was Laylene's idea to actually look under the bed. And I'm like, like what, girl? <laughs> you just fucking confessed. Like, she actually confessed to your face, to both of your faces. And you, and Lele, like, oh my God, I keep getting their names messed up because this is so irritating to me. So it's like, <laughs> when Larissa confesses, all that Shatar takes away from that exchange is that she's like, Laylene said that I was sneaky? So then, somehow, in Shatar's mind, this gets twisted into thinking that Laylene was trying to set her up. Like, the mental gymnastics to avoid the very obvious answer of somebody confessing is mind-boggling to me. So Larissa says in a talking head, she's like, oh, I'm a genius for this plan. And I'm like, you're fucking not, but you're just working with a bunch of idiots. Like, yeah, you're, you're not smart that- and he's dumb dumb. Right. You're not, you're not that smart. You're just the smartest of, of the dummies. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And Shatar says to Laylene, like, I, I can't believe, like, I'm your friend. Like, after all we went through today, I was like, you had a bonding experience while you were shopping. Like, I don't really think that's all that you went through. And she starts getting, like, really upset, which I guess kind of could look very defensive or yeah. performative if you genuinely don't know who's responsible for it. So Laylene is like, I don't want to live with a thief in the house. And I know that Shatar, she goes, I think that Shatar is lying. So I need to get to the bottom of this. So she heads over to Monique's office, which Monique at this point has to be like, I'm so tired of you coming to me with this petty bullshit. All of you. Laylene tells Monique that she found the pictures under Shatar's mattress. And I love this. Monique goes, thievery? Baby, what is going on in my charm school? <laughs> and uh so she calls Shatar in to hear her side of the story and says she says that Laylene asked her, you know, what happened to my stuff, and she said that she didn't know. And now all of a sudden Laylene is trying to set her up. And Shatar's like, I know I had nothing to do with it. And so if Laylene didn't have something to do with it, I need to know who did. And Monique calls them both out for making assumptions and says, and Laylene is like, listen, if you're, if I'm wrong about this and you didn't do it, like I'm willing to apologize, but it seems like you did it. So whatever. So Monique says she's glad that Laylene got her pictures back and suggests that she keep them close because they obviously have a thief in the house and she's going to take all of this into consideration for tonight. So Laylene and Shatar both do talking heads about how they think the other one's responsible. And although it's kind of funny that at one point Shatar is like, I can't believe I'm being framed for this. And I'm like, haha, get it? Framed, framed yes. and picture. Getting oh framed my. for stealing <laughs> pictures. Ha ha ha. Well. So Shatar talks to Laylene and Brooke again. And she's like, I don't know who would have set me up. And whoever set me up, like, I hope they go home tonight. So we get a quick talking head of Becky saying she's nervous that she's going to go home because she got third place, as if that would matter at all. Monique reminds us uh, that the lesson was about giving back. And this is elimination time, by the way. Uh, that, uh, you know, she was hoping the ladies would learn how good it feels uh, for those who are less fortunate. So uh, all of them gave 
of themselves, but some of them dug really deep. Uh, she says that Laylene went above and beyond and that you gave of yourself personally. And that's ultimately what put you and Brooke over the top. So for that, you two ladies are safe. So for all intents and purposes, all the other three teams should be up for elimination. But she decides to let... Oh, wait, no, hold on. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. So she calls Dara and Shatara down. And uh, Dara, again, is, like, blaming Shatara for saying, you know, I have... For leading her on to think that she had a lot more high-priced items. Then Monique gets to Becky and Safari and says, you did come in third place, but because Safari made such a genuine, generous donation, that's she's going to designate them as being safe as well. Then she calls Larissa and Shay down to the carpet. Shay is absolutely shocked, but also her guilty conscience comes out and she says she wishes she had never even really bothered with the pictures in the first place. So they go through, you know, the judges and how they feel about the teams that are on the carpet because it's only two teams. So Dara and Shatar uh, are the first ones to be addressed. So Keith says to Shatar, like, I don't really understand what your strategy was. It didn't really seem like you brought that much. And I kept saying you, I kept hearing you say like, oh, this stuff is high quality. And I thought that maybe you were planning on bringing less because it was going to be more valuable stuff. And then he goes, but even at a thrift store, polyester is not considered high quality. So then he said there were a few times when your descriptions were not only creative, they were almost lies. Mm. Shatar, a liar? What? Uh, so he, he also heard about that wig boy. I mean, but again, this is this is the Keith that we know and tolerate. Where it's like it's harsh, but it's not an unfair assessment. Yeah. Also, like I'm searching for the lie and I can't seem to locate it. And I find it. Uh, so Keith says to Dara, then uh, during this exercise, you negotiated like it was some kind of swap meet. And Mickey says to her, you know, it seemed as if your strategy or I don't know if this was to her or to them, but it's like it seemed as if your strategy was to give as little as possible. And it's unfortunate that your generosity came in second to your self-interest. Then on to Larissa and Shay. Keith says he Keith straight up starts with you two, which is like exactly mm-hmm. like a mood when dealing with them. <laughs> uh, he says it seemed like they just walked out of the store with basically everything that they brought in. He says that it he it got to a point where because they weren't pricing your $200 jeans at $200 that you weren't even going to accept any offer. And the whole point of this lesson was about generosity and you guys clearly like missed the mark. So Mickey gives them a lesson in living. As I was saying before, don't let your possessions possess you. Monique comes out from behind the desk and says, you know, Shatar... Somebody stole Aileen's pictures. They were found under your mattress. And Shatar continues to say, you know, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. So Monique says in the talking head, says in a talking head, I'm not quite sure who took the pictures because I don't see everything. This is where things start to turn fucking annoying. Because they're acting like all of this isn't on camera and cannot be quickly pulled up 
to clear up these answers. Exactly. And I know that it is not in the style of reality shows to pull receipts like that. And it's usually, if it's ever been used, I remember it's in situations where somebody's safety was at risk. It was the whole freaking what's her name thing. The Safari flower thing. Yeah, Um, well, no, I was also thinking, I remember, I think it was Real World or Big Brother or something where somebody was trying to get back at somebody and scrubbed their toothbrush in the toilet. And the producer stepped in first? Mm Mm-hmm. Producer stepped in to be like, yeah, no, we can't let this happen. Like, she, we need to tell her like the person whose mm-hmm. toothbrush it was so like i get that you want to have like a step back of like not interfering with what you're creating mm-hmm. but this is just proof that there. i don't want to spoil too much of the result ahead of us about being about to talk about it but like if we were going for genuine results producers should have and could have intervened with the tapes and been like or if Monique really wanted to get to the bottom of it. Exactly. Which also I kind mm-hmm. of feel like Monique did see them. Or she just knows. She just doesn't care. I, I kind of feel like she did know because of the way she says things at the end. But we'll we'll get to it in a second. Monique asks each of the ladies one by one if they took Laylene's pictures. And she starts with Becky. And then Safari and Brooke and Laylene. And then Larissa and Shay. All of them say no even though shay looks like you know those videos where it's like a group of dogs and they're like which i hate not that i want to compare a black woman to a dog but you know like it's one of those things where it's like there's a line of dogs and one of them did something like who made this mess and like the one right kind of like tilted their head and, right and the one who's like they're all just kind of looking around and then one very clearly has their head down and won't make eye contact like mm-hmm. that's what shay was doing like <laughs> so she says that uh oh shatar says again that she didn't take the pictures and she's like outright says like if i had to think of who could have done it like it's like an oj if i did it uh, the only person who knew, only the person who knew where to find the pictures is the one who put them there. Monique then says, I don't have any proof. She straight up says, none whatsoever. But the only thing we have to go on is history. And history says that you're a thief. She brings up the missing dresses and says that, oh, when when crazy's dresses went missing you were like oh i'll help you find them which i don't remember she was like if anything she she was find them she said oh like i have to look for my stuff no she didn't even say that she She was something like that yeah no she was just like no i don't know where your things are yeah it was brooke that helped her look for them because brooke ultimately found them right brooke was the one jumping up to volunteer bad is like oh mine are missing too there was something like that going on, yeah. Swear to God, I don't remember Monique that. Even says it right now. No, Monique claims that she volunteered to help her check her things. No, it wasn't just that. It was like because she said hers were missing too. No, she I, doesn't. I'm telling I, you hundred percent. I'm telling you as somebody. I will go back with, and watch the episode right now. I'm telling you as somebody who writes verbatim from captions that was that was that that was not said. Do it. No, please don't pull it up now. We don't have the time. Um. But, like, the only thing I remember Shatar saying is, like, oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. And because that was her whole thing where she's like, oh, wait, no, my curlers are in the bathroom. Like, no, don't cry. My curlers are in the bathroom. Please don't close the door. 
<laughs> this brings up the this falls into not just iconic line of the week worthy, but this is that elite category of meme mm-hmm. worthy. Iconic line of the series, one of the most iconic line of the series, second most to, I think, one that comes up two episodes from now. But either way, iconic line of the week is... See, when you do clownery, the clown comes back to bite. An icon. An iconic (laughs) moment! Like, what this segment of the show was made for. Like, top reality TV lines ever, like... Sharon Osbourne could never. Could Ricky never. Lake I, could never. I use that in my I'm everyday sure. life still, 15 yeah. years later. Like. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's an omni-relevant, like, it's perfect. It's such a good line. Any given day, you will see that meme sliding down your timeline. Any given yep. day. And I love that it's, like, one of those two, like, the other line that we're going to be using eventually that like it it also gets warped like when you do actually no because clownery i think has come up in particular like because we call people clowns all the time now clown Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh so monique continues and says you know you're the little boy who cried wolf uh says because dara is shatar's teammate they're both expelled Dara does an exit interview that's like, listen, I'm so disappointed because I had so much more to learn. And then in true Dara fashion makes zero sense when she says, I wanted to learn from the mistakes that I was going to make so that I didn't have to make them anymore. I mean, like, again, like, I get what she's trying to say. It's just a gibberish way of saying it. And those are certainly all words. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the best way to talk about the way Dara speaks. Those are certainly all words. <laughs> So uh, so she starts crying in the exit interview. Uh, Larissa and Shay are openly laughing at this point. Uh, again, I don't know how they didn't get busted for this. They got exceptionally lucky. Yeah. But also, I think that this is clear producer intervention. This is producers being like, Shatar, and definitely Dara, you're not super interesting. But Shatar, you're not being crazy hottie that we've self, yeah. Self. And Larissa and Shay are making more of a, you know, on any other show, stealing somebody's personal property is grounds for dismissal. Exactly. The only reason Shadar didn't go home for it last time is because she was um she had immunity. Yeah, exactly. But like on top of that, it's like if you're going to kick other people off of the show for clearly not absorbing a single lesson which was the case with it didn't it seemed like that's why they kicked off uh what's her name heather Heather. and why they kicked off your other girlfriend crystal um (laughs) (laughs) the reason why both of them were kicked off is because they're not they didn't feel like they had anything left to learn and like if that's the if that's the logic for why you're kicking people off the fact that uh, Larissa can't go a couple hours without antagonizing somebody should be a sign that she's not open to what you're teaching her. Exactly. Like, if you're going to apply this logic, apply it across the board, but we all know that the reality mm-hmm. is that they're just looking for the most entertaining characters and they're willing to let this shit go. Because it's not like Shatar doesn't fucking need it. Like, she's out of her mind. Yeah, she's freaking mm-hmm. So... 
Shatar hands back her pledge pin and thanks Monique for the experience. And Shatar does a exit interview and she's like Girl Scout honor, which as we know from her website, she was in fact a Girl Scout. Uh, Shatar, she does refer to herself in the third person. Shatar is totally innocent. I was falsely accused today, but this is not over. Whoever really took that picture is going down. And I was laughing because I'm thinking about OJ being like, I'm going to forever I'm going to dedicate my life to finding the real killer, except in this case, Shatar actually isn't, didn't, didn't do, it. do it. Yeah. How are they going down? You're going home, sis. Like, right, exactly. What it, I guess she figures like they'll go down in a blaze of glory and it kind of... Monique will find them. So, I don't know if you know... I know Mike know, doesn't know what happens next week. I don't know, Anissa, if you know what happens next yeah, week. I, do. I don't want I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it for Mike, yeah, so we're not going to yeah. talk about it. But part of what happens next week is Larissa and Shay their alibi starts to crack mm. a little bit. And it does kind of seem like karma catches up with them a little bit. So mm-hmm. Monique uh says to Laylene, "I don't know who took your pictures, but I will say this, uh if it wasn't Shatar, whoever it was, I guarantee you that's going to come back to you tenfold because that thing called karma, oh, it's going to come back to you. And if you falsely because if I falsely accuse with some because if I falsely accuse somebody, you got to deal with that. I don't know what that part means, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So Monique says in a talking head, this is bonkers to me. So Monique says in a talking head, we had no proof Shatar did it, but because they came in last and because of her history, she had to go home. So she's outright saying we have no reason necessarily beyond speculation to believe that she did it, but she's going to get punished for it. But it leans more towards the last place aspect. I mean, if it's about being in last place, make it about being in last make place. It about that. Mm-hmm. Don't this in for storyline issues, which is eventually, I guess, going to lead to something. It's both like, as and believe me, I hate nobody is more annoyed about having to defend Shatara than me. But like, it's not like the fact that she was in last place and clearly not in a generous spirit wouldn't be reason enough to send her home. Yeah. Like, but instead, you want to say, well, we have no reason necessarily to believe that she did it, but we're just going to punish her for it regardless. Like, we, don't bring that up as the reason. Exactly. Because you, or right, or you don't want to, or you want to drag it out to make more of a storyline. So there's still a couple minutes left in the episode. I, just in case you all are, and for anybody who's still left <laughs> listening. Uh, and, you know, Monique does say, you know, Dara just had to go home because she picked the wrong teammate. You know, whatever. She's like, I had a lot of hope from her, but whatever. So Monique then calls Laylene down to the carpet and says, you know, giving away your mother's ring was giving away memories, you know, and not only that's something you could pass down to your daughter. And you said, if you're going to make a difference for somebody else, like you were comfortable giving it away. So she's like, I'm standing in front of a woman who is so strong right now and so giving, and I'm honored to be in your presence. And I'd be honored to give you back her mother's rings. And she presents Laylene with the rings. And Laylene doesn't seem to, like, she's crying, but, like, she doesn't seem as moved by it as you would. It ain't me, like. (laughs) Right? It makes me think she wasn't as close with her mom. I mean, I kind of got that impression, but based on more of who Laylene is as a person. Yeah. Like, she kind of looks like somebody that has parental issues. 
mm-hmm. like I don't know. I guess we'll just leave it at that. As somebody who's had their fair share of not mom issues, but dad issues, but whatever. Crazy. I don't. Right. I, right. <laughs> just right. Like, <laughs> we see each other. Like you yeah, know, we can pick each other out of a lineup. <laughs> right. We 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 know our own. Uh, so they. <laughs> So they hug and they cry and Brooke is even kind of tearing up a little bit. And Laylene says that she's really happy and she wasn't expecting to get them back, but she parted with them on good terms and had closure. It was like weird. This talking head, like she was like disappointed that she got them back almost mm-hmm. like, I don't really know what her goal was with this, but uh, Monique does that thing again, where she has to say something sassy to them as they're like walking away. So she's like, and uh Safari, so I'm going to try to my damnedest to get those boots back too. And then she calls after them for trying to give away their underwear. <laughs> They're all disgusting. Uh, Larissa has a quick talking head about how Shatar and Dara went home. And she's like, and I'm glad they did because they fell right into my trap. And then that's the fucking episode. Uh, just the bonus scene is so weird. It's like, I've hated like almost all the bonus scenes this season, but Laylene and Brooke are stuck in the phone booth. And that's it. That's it. That's it. I don't know. Like, that's, <laughs> like it's. I literally wish that there was something more interesting to tell you, but that's that's all. So that's that's all she wrote. Pretty depressing episode. Yeah, like a lot of issue, a lot of deep seated issues that get really glossed mm-hmm. over in the name of silly drama. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mentioned this in last episode, but I went through the upcoming descriptions trying to see if they ever bring a therapist in and they don't Mm-mm. which i'm like that is a huge missed opportunity because this was i don't know if celebrity rehab was on by this point but like and this is also just because of who i am as a person like i'm a nosy ass gemini and i love to hear everybody's personal tea yeah to like get an understanding of who they are and like i i want to know why they're all the way that they are Bring a therapist in. That's interesting. That's good, fascinating content. Like, bring a life coach like, in for fuck's sake. Yeah, and I feel like everybody needs therapy, and right. every single one of them also absolutely need therapy. Like, right? I mean, right. Everybody needs therapy in general, but like they, yeah, they're some people a little need bit more, more therapy. Right? They're a little <laughs> bit more deserving, and obviously, they're not going to get to the bottom of all their issues. But clearly, something. A, a number of things have to go wrong in your life for you to feel like baking out with Flavor Flav on television is your best option. Exactly. Like, we, we got to figure out where that road went left and, and get it back on track because that right. ain't it. Mm-hmm. Again, like, I try not to pass judgment, too much judgment because, you know, we all make poor choices, but, like, I'll be damned if my life ever has to resort to that. And anybody like that knows me will tell you like I have an affinity for like medium ugly men, but that ain't. Oh, it. same. No offense to Mike. Mike is like I say on the regular, and, and not just because he's in the room. I will say this to people anyway. Like I think that he is like the most attractive person I've ever dated. But in general, he knows that my taste is questionable. Yeah, I say it all the time. Yeah. I always look at it kind of as a downer on myself. Don't. Other people think you're hot, so she'll be like, "Oh yeah, like this," or I think this person's good looking, and I'm just like, "God damn, like." Everything is questionable in my head now. I know. I'm weird. But yeah, that's the whole episode. Um, we survived. We we laughed. We had to bring some levity to all of this weird shit. 
And thanks so much, Anissa, for joining us. Thanks for having me. This thanks for so much fun. Oh my god, for the journey, like this journey of an it's episode. Quite the journey. Yeah, this was a this was a a, a journey for sure. <laughs> Anissa, do you agree with who went home? Um. Eh, no, only because. Well, okay. Here's the thing, right? I think Shatara should have went home a long time ago because of the stuff with Crazy. Yeah. Or Heather, but like I said, she was like she had immunity, so it really wasn't anything you could do about it. But I, I feel bad that Zara had to be collateral damage. Yeah. Um, but no, they shouldn't have went home. Not this episode, at least. I feel like this is a tough show to do that kind of thing to ask this kind of question about. Yeah. Like I'm starting to realize now, at now that we're past the halfway mark, um, just because it's like the behavior that should get that should earn somebody getting kicked out of the house and not being eligible for the prize and you know not giving them the attention they so desperately crave are the exact reasons of things they're trying to fix of why they're there in the first place yeah so it's like the shittier your behavior that should get you kicked off under any other circumstances is actually what makes you more deserving of being here i think um yeah, but I think to an extent, because, like, the shit Larissa is doing is, like, I feel like she's beyond reproach at this point. Like, oh, she 100%. Don't wanna, she don't want to do the work. It's one thing if you're, like, faltering and making mistakes and you're really trying. She don't want to do the work. She's just stirring shit up at this point. Yeah. She's just committed to being terrible. And, like, I've said before, like, it seems like she hasn't done, like, a ton of growth. I, I I feel I feel bad saying that because I don't really keep up with her, so I can't really say that. But like I feel like the handful of times I do hear about her and she's not trying to sell some kind of flat tummy tea or fashion nova, she's arguing with somebody. I um when when you guys when I found you guys a show initially it had me like start to look a lot of the people up on IG and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I had found Larissa um, and it seemed like she was acting pretty normal, but I mean, it seemed like she was kind of keeping her life low key, kind of. Yeah, feel like she like had a ki- she had a kid, and she was like living. I think she has multiple life. I didn't really kids. See any dramatics of her own? I don't I remember, so. but I, I know I remember seeing like a little girl. But yeah, um, I didn't really see any know. dramatics on her page, and I, I don't guess... remember what her name was. So I. I feel like recently she was getting into a fight on Instagram live with somebody, hmm. but I can't confirm. Let's hold on. She's selling. She's actually like the flat tummy tea. So that's mm. the choice. Looks like she hung out with Flav recently after giving an interview not too long ago about how she was completely disgusted by him. She saw him in February. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Oh, I see her now. Twerking. Yeah, flat tummy tea. Um, Which, you know. Like fashion over, fashion over. Kids. I mean, gotta, you got to get your money where you can. And if you have this level mm-hmm. of fame, you might as well. I mean, I don't condone flat tummy tea in particular. Yeah. Yeah, because just take a laxative, guys. Oh, she's got a picture on here with Gabrielle Union. Nice. And Gab- well, Gab- it's not a good picture of Gabrielle Union, I'm going to be 100% honest. Ooh. It's, I don't know, like, because you can see t- way too much of her um, foundation. Mm. 
like way too much of her height like it's just like a poorly lit picture but um yeah it seems like she's hasn't really grown too much or at least has made a conscious effort to stay i mean i guess because if why would you have incentive to grow if being this kind of person has been financially beneficial for you yeah like not to be a dick about it but it's like you know you want better for these people but and what point do you grow up there? Because she should be like pushing forty at this point, right? Like she is. What year was she born? If she was twenty-two when this show aired, that means she was born in eighty-five. So she's thirty-five. Yeah, she's turning thirty-five this year. Oh, okay. Is newly thirty-five. Oh, okay. So, I mean, should she be over this? Probably. Oh, she's a Scorpio. That explains a lot. Um. <laughs> Uh, you know, if she, I like, I mean, I guess that's true with a lot of these women. Like, you have no real reason to grow and improve if being terrible. I mean, New York seems to be the only kind of one that has matured yeah. a little bit yeah. and softened in a lot of her interviews, which I feel like just gives further credence to the fact that she's so incredible. Like, that she's managed to build a presence for herself that was like, this is who I once was, but I'm still interesting as a human being now. Yeah. So. And I can grow up and I can still be interesting and just in a different way. Yeah. Right. Like all of that's all these women wish they were capable. They wish they had the range, but they do not. Yep. Oh. Your faith could never. Yeah. Literally. Literally. Unless your fave is Tiffany. And then she does. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Anissa. This was so much fun. This was such a good, like a a nice discussion. We had a lot of good discussions. Thanks so much again, guys. This was a lot of fun. I feel like, you know, I feel like sometimes you come here to laugh, but hopefully people also like to learn. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm thinking of it. I mean, you came here, like, come for the pop culture analysis stay for the definition of a speculum i was just gonna say <laughs> learn about the vagina you you everybody should even if it's Indeed. not your ministry even if vaginas are not something you have or are interested in penetrating everybody should know the more you know anyway uh <laughs> anyway knowing is half the battle <laughs> what a terrible transition i have to make now anisa where can the people find you <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I'm on Twitter. Um, my Twitter name is Equality Mess. <laughs> um, also on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Hooked Crochet. It is H O O K D dot crochet. Um, I have a crocheting business. I make hat scarves. I make clothing. Um, awesome stuff. Pretty much whatever. So yeah, you can find me there. Yay. That's awesome. Hopefully you get some business from this. But uh, you can cool. <laughs> check it ideal, out, people. right? Check it out. So uh, you can find the show on Facebook at Rewind the Love Podcast. You can find them, them, us. Holy fuck. I've been talking for 500 hours. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Rewind Love Pod. You, you can go. find me on Twitter at Sonia Marie says. You can find me at Mr. Feeney 519. Anissa, do you accept this pledge pin? I accept this pledge pin. Thank you so much. 
for what are they called again? It's from uh, City Slight. City Slight from it's last episode. Now. Yes. Yes, the City Slight. City Slight pin. Trad- <laughs> trademark by Safari. I guess. Uh, well, in addition to her lip chap, so yeah. which I could really use right now because, like I said, I've been I talking for five hundred hours. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, everybody. Five stars, people, please. Five stars. Yeah, we'll Yay! Bye. bye. Yeah.